following program is brought to you by the Squared Circle Syndicate for the four of fire. Squared Circle Syndicate, Squared Circle Syndicate Podcast. Pro Wrestling Talk for the real enthusiasts. Ladies and gentlemen, the long-awaited, highly anticipated return of the Squared Circle Syndicate Podcast. Woo! Guess who's back, bitches? <laughs> <laughs> but we're not alone. Wait a minute. There's a third? Wait a the third man. The Hold third on. Man. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, the demo man, David Stockwell, a.k.a. the Great Davini. Join, as always, <laughs> by my... My broadcast colleague, Money Mike Wallace, aka Pretty Mickey, what they call him. Wait a minute! <laughs> That's what the ladies say. Ooh la That's la. What That's what they say. <laughs> you know, and there. there it is. And today, for the first time ever, we are joined by, brother, you've heard about it, the third man. Who's the third man to join the syndicate? Is it Mr. Wrestling 3? Wait a minute! Pull off the mask, and who is it? It's none other than. Chad Solomon, a.k.a. Che Solo. Che? Chad? Solomon? Solo? Solo. <laughs> Han Solo, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here. Appreciate the syndicate bringing me in. A- absolutely, man. We, uh, we got to get him a t-shirt, Mike. Absolutely. We got to get... We got, we got the first F-bomb in the episode. We, wait, oh, my gosh. We're starting, starting off me, salty so. already. Already. Yes. Already. <laughs> Spice, spicy if you like it, just like the curry man. You remember curry man? Unfortunately. Wait a minute. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, folks, each and every episode of the Squared Circle Syndicate podcast is brought to you by DemoBlastStudios.com, an explosion of imagination. Visit the website, go to the podcast page, and you will find each and every episode of the Squared Circle Syndicate podcast. You can also make sure to follow us on the social medias. Um, check us out. Uh, Demo Blast Studios can be found over on Instagram at Demo Blast Studios. Individually, Money Mike, where can the folks find you on the social media? All right. I used to do Twitter. I haven't in a while. I'm going to start it up eventually. But you can find me on Instagram under Marvelous underscore Jones. Marvelous is spelled M-A-R-V-E-L-U-S underscore Jones. And you're wondering why it's Marvelous Jones. I see it in your face. <laughs> Two of my favorite please, boxers. Please tell us. I, I will. I, damn it, I'm going to. <laughs> Two of my favorite boxers is Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Roy Jones Jr. So I corroborated the motherfuckers together, and there you go. Marvelous Jones. Bada bing. There it is. There it is. My gosh. And, Chad, where can the folks find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at ShaySolo1, C H E S O L O 1. Very cool. All right. So, so today, folks. Uh, man, it's been a long time, Money Mike. I miss you, man. I know it, man. The I know hell? it. Man, it's um, it's a sight for sore eyes. Yes, it is. My yes, gosh. It is. And I'm sure they missed us, too, because well, no one does this shit like we do. So <laughs> just make that, make that perfectly clear. It, it, this is a one-of-a-kind 
pro wrestling themed <laughs> podcast to say the very least yes, but uh, indeed. but uh, in the return episode here of the squared circle syndicate we're going to go ahead here today folks and we are going to to give a little taste a little flavor for you know what we enjoy about pro wrestling you know kind of the uh the performers and the characters that got us excited uh, about uh, our passion uh, for pro wrestling what we're doing today is we are doing our personal top 10 favorite pro wrestlers slash performers of all time now folks these top 10s are not designed to be a you know it's not necessarily who we think is the the best wrestlers of all time these are wrestlers that we personally like to watch you know fo folks that over the years that when they come on the screen we're captivated we we uh, find ourselves again and again uh, enjoying their work. And um, so these are personal favorites. So bottom line, don't be a hater. Exactly, yeah. So so you can certainly, uh, if you would like to uh, share your, uh, your comments about the show, we certainly are always open to suggestions. Uh, if you uh, don't agree with our top tens, that's completely fine because it's our top tens, you top titty, top titty. <laughs> Tough to be said the kitty went dry. Uh, to quote to quote the great Shawn Michaels, uh, who I still can't believe delivered that line on Monday Night Raw at one point. Uh, but I use it to this very day. Yes, yes I ripped off Shawn Michaels quite a few times. Every, everyone rips off Shawn Michaels. Well, we'll I, I suppose in, in modern day wrestling, that is very true. But uh, you can feel free to uh, share your comments about the show. Uh, speaking about the Twitters. Uh, you can hit me up personally uh, at Demo Man Speaks, or also you can communicate with us at the uh, Demo Blast Studios Twitter, which is at Demo Blast Studio. They uh, did not allow me enough characters to put the S on the end of studios. Yes, they cut me short. So it's just studio? It's just studio because they decided to leave me high what and dry on the ways S. Bullshit is that? Man, it's like when it's like when they had the tag match on Superstars years ago with. Hulk Hogan and Paul Ondorf versus King Kong Bunny and Big John Studd. Hulkamania getting beat up, goes to reach for the tag for Paul Ondorf. Paul leaves him high and dry. That fucking Ondorf. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely up on Twitter, you can certainly comment about the episodes, and uh, we definitely appreciate the feedback for sure. Now, uh, we're going to start off here today. Uh, we still doing money, Mike, or are you marvelous, Mike, now? It's, it's still money. It's still money, Mike. Cha-ching. Oh, well, there you go. Man, I didn't know. I didn't know if the I got so many cash rates. I didn't know if it was money. bankruptcy or what, man. I had to make sure. Because <laughs> I know, I know the ladies would go with money or a marvelous it's, one. Either it's, way, it's, it's still money. But my my Instagram is marvelous Jones for oh now. Gosh, I'm sure I'll change. Speak, it speaking of the ladies, uh -oh. you know we happen to be recording this particular episode uh, in the the uh, very nice setting of our friend Chad Sullivan, it's the very, third very, man. Very plush, the third my friend Solo. Very, uh, very plush. Appreciate it, it, is a, uh, it is a really nice place where we're recording right now, and, uh, you know, because we might as well initiate Chad into the to the conversation here. <laughs> uh, man, for a, sing, a single cat, brother, this is a damn pussy palace, man. Are you kidding uh, me? How much tail are you pulling in here, this man? This is unbelievable, man. I mean, my God, if I was a single fella, well, I mean, there's stairs at least to the fucking bedroom. Like, like I know it, man. What the hell, man? man this is man that you set the stage, the music. You probably got some pyro coming out of there, man. This is unbelievable. You got a crystal, no, crystal ball hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> God damn, son. 
This is my, uh, my little bachelor pad here, you know. Just gotta, man, oh, man. You just got an extra sink, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> I know it, man. I know it. I also noticed that outside the bedroom was, uh, like, when you go to the deli, you pick that number. You got to go to the next. I happen to see that outside the door. Uh, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> hey, but, hey, but, hey but, you get money, Mike's approval on that one. That's there it is, is, man. There it is. But, uh, but uh, beautiful, beautiful setting. It is a really nice place, Jen. Welcome yeah. to the group, man. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But uh, we're going to go ahead and start with uh, Money Mike's top 10 list. To, Favorite wrestlers slash performers of all time. Money Mike, to who's coming in the top great 10? Santino Morella of all the times. <laughs> all right, man. So my number one guy is... Wait a minute. We start with 10. Oh, we're going 10. All right. Yeah. Well, it's been a while. I'm rusty. Sorry. Man, got to go 10 to 1. All right. Number 10... Bill Goldberg. Well, all right. man, Goldberg. You Goldberg. know, you know, he was almost on my list. I mean, literally, he came. In. I had to make this was a difficult one, man. I had, yeah, to, I actually made a second. Basically, I made a top twenty. I'm only going to give you the ten today, but but uh, I actually made a top twenty, and I, he almost made the first the first top ten. You could ask my friend Daryl Ward. I actually sent him a rough draft version of it, <laughs> and then after he questioned the shit out of me about it, I had to do another draft. So. Uh, Goldberg was not on my original draft, but that's how I thought about it. You know, he was WCW, man. Like, like if you look at the Attitude Era, it was WCW had Goldberg and NWO. And for a guy who didn't say anything, really, who grunted, snarled, who had five-second matches, supremely impactful. So I'm going to go with Bill Goldberg, number 10. So many guys have been made in his mold since him. You can't really think of a big guy. Yeah, right back. After him, right, right yeah. back. Batista, Roman Reigns, all these guys do the spear. You didn't see that before Goldberg. So, Goldberg's been number 10. So, what do you guys think? I, I got to say with Goldberg, I don't think there's anybody who's made a bigger impact in a shorter amount of time. I mean, maybe, nice. may, I mean, Ultimate Warrior, but he had more time. Ultimate Warrior definitely had more, like, Ultimate Warrior put more time in, I think. Right. Goldberg is heading to the top. And it wasn't like, oh, who's this like dude going to the like, oh that he definitely should be at the top, you know. Um, he didn't make my list, but when you bring it up, you brought up one thing. I think I don't know if you both experienced it. I know I experienced it. Um, my first draft didn't come out at all like my final draft. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I rewrote this bitch twice. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, man. The uh, you know probably the only other performer that I can think of that skyrocketed uh, as quickly. I mean, the only two that I can think of in addition to Goldberg, would be Brock and uh, maybe Kurt Angle, uh, as far Kurt, as guys yeah. that came up came up pretty quick. But but uh, like I said, uh, uh, Money Mike, I, uh, Goldberg just missed my top. As a matter of fact, he was on my top ten initially, but then I thought about it and I decided to replace him with somebody else. But um, there's It's okay. Just, we all made mistakes. Which, <laughs> <laughs> well, wait till you get to my top ten. No mistakes made. But um, Goldberg is, uh, man, just undeniable. Just raw, brutal. Um, you know, when you think of, um, if you were to look up in a, in a Webster's Dictionary, just the uh, the definition of uh, manliness. It'd be freaking Goldberg, man, because he's just a brute. Which I wouldn't, by the way. Wait, hey, man. throwing it out there. Hey, I man. That up, but hey, it's man. okay. All right, what it is. For the casual fan. <laughs> That's what the fans ask for, man. But uh, but Goldberg just the um, just the steamrolling opponents, the jackhammer, the still to date the best spear. 
uh, out there. Oh, I, I think the, the only other spear to me that comes close would maybe be Rhino. The Gore. Yes. Uh, but uh, uh, the thing that really uh, sold me completely and got me to be a huge fan of Goldberg is that, that friggin' night on Thunder when he went out to the limousine. You guys remember oh, this? When he went up, yes, he destroyed the limousine, but he did it. He had uh, in his hand like a little metal spike that he was supposed to smash the windows out of the limousine with. So he drops the spike, and he just uses his damn bare hands to smash the, the, the windows. <laughs> he ends up cutting himself all up. He, he actually was on the shelf for quite a few months after that because he just went ape shit on the limousine. And after I saw that, I'm like, this this dude is legit. Man. I mean, he He's brought nuts. a certain type of realism yes. to wrestling that you didn't really see. I no. mean, he, he was a, a monster, man. And like I said, so many guys after him have been made in that same mold. It's been ridiculous. This is very very true. I uh I, I'm gonna I'm gonna call an audible here. Audible. Uh -oh. I'm gonna call an audible here. My friend Chad, aka Chase Solo, knows what I mean by that, because you do too. What am I saying? Uh, but uh, since uh, Chad, a.k.a. Chase Solo, for those of you who don't know, um, is a uh, independent professional wrestler. Uh, has definitely uh, taken his fair share of bumps in the ring. Brings a unique perspective to, perspective. Add, to add to the mix. Perspective. Which, which we definitely appreciate. So I'm going to call an audible here. Uh, I'm going to say, Money Mike, originally I was going to have you do your full top ten. We are going to do your full top ten, but I think we're going to we're going to go uh, uh, ring around the rosy. So we're going to alternate that. Yeah, okay. so I, so okay. I think we're going to alternate Ch that. Changing things right now. So, so, so I'm going to call an audible here, <laughs> and uh, so we'll all just do you know Waldor at ten, Waldor nine, Waldor eight, blah blah blah. So for those of you following at, at home uh, and playing uh, Squirt Circle Syndicate Bingo, it's uh, uh, B52, um, but uh, <laughs> which is also a great band, the B52s. Anyway, uh, so so tin roof rusty. <laughs> that was a good one, money, Mike. My gosh, of course it was. that was snappy, <laughs> snappy tomato. My gosh. So so we'll go ahead and uh, we'll do the round round robin here. Um, so uh, we'll transition. I'll do my uh, my top ten, and then uh, and then Chad will do your top ten. Uh, so uh, my my number ten. Um, you guys might be surprised. We actually, as we're as we're recording, we're actually there's a, a beautiful TV screen in uh, Chad Solomon's Pussy Palace. Of course it is. Uh, <laughs> it's the whole house, man. <laughs> That's gonna be some t-shirts, man. We're gonna sell those t-shirts. You fucking wait. You're gonna be working the indie shows, and they're gonna be like, Chad, where's the where's the the Chad Solomon Pussy Palace t-shirts? They're coming. We're printing them bitches up right now. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't like the idea. I'm not saying I don't See like that, man? Hell yeah. Who the fuck's going to turn down good t-shirt money? Embrace the darkness. Yeah. Man, Embrace oh, it. man. Embrace it. That's it, man. So so we're watching uh, some old school uh, WWF. Uh, I 94, say, 95. Is this yeah. an in-your-house pay-per-view we're watching? Uh, oh, it's Survivor Series. Survivor Series. Survivor Series. Okay, all right, I got you. Yeah. So there, there was somebody who just came on the screen a little while ago who is actually on my list, and it's a guy who uh, I have followed his career um, ever since he was a super young guy wrestling for Bill Watts' old UWF. Uh, and I feel like there's a connection there with him because I've watched him for such a long period of time. Um, in the UWF, he captured the uh, television title 
with a slight assistance from Sting, uh, where he defeated Terry Taylor. Uh, he went on to uh, uh, most notoriety when he went to work for Eastern Championship Wrestling uh, and was a part of the uh, notorious evening where he had technically won the NWA title and he threw it down in the ring and declared the Eastern Championship Wrestling title as the new Extreme Championship Wrestling. Cut my fucking music! <laughs> that was well, a catchphrase. It's crazy. Well, well that's it. <laughs> uh, but my number 10 is uh, none other than the franchise, Shane Douglas. Wow. And, uh, and part of this might be because I, um, I literally just saw him and talked to him a couple weeks ago. Um, at one of uh, Bobby Fulton's Demo shows. Demo man, name dropping. Well, that's it, man. That's it. Uh, also, there is a uh, uh, nice little 20-minute or so interview with uh, Shane Douglas over on uh, DemoBlastStudios.com. It's uh, on the uh, Demo Show uh, podcast page, so definitely uh, for folks that have uh, a lot of extra time on your hands, go check that out. It actually is a really good interview. But, uh, but Shane Douglas, one of my absolute favorites. Uh, not the... Um, technically the greatest wrestler in the ring ever uh but i thought he was a capable hand uh was able to, to have solid matches with i never step out from that i think he's more than more than capable well you know I mean, he he was you know a, a really uh, he was a technically sound guy um was able to work with a variety of opponents really the thing that completely sold me on shane was the fact that he was a capable hand in the ring but also um to me, I always think about Shane, and I remember um, on original old ECW TV, uh, the 95 maybe, uh, when I used to have to stay up till 3 a.m. to watch it on the Sunshine mm -hmm. Network. Um, Shane cut uh, like a 30-minute promo just talking about the wrestling business, talking about his hatred for Ric Flair, the whole nine. The and, hatred uh, for Ric Flair. That's yes, and, and just, uh, <laughs> just that I was completely mesmerized by that 30-minute that promo that he had cut because he was a fantastic talker. When he came up on the screen a few moments ago, it was as his WWF uh, character, Dean Douglas, which was so disappointing. Because what we heard, when all the fans heard that he was coming to WWF, we were so excited for the franchise, and we got this weird powder blue, watered down version of, of uh, known as Dean Douglas. But uh, anyway, it was a terrible gimmick. It was, well, it was, but you know, he tried to make the. I'm going to give you an F for today. Like, like, shut up. He even, he, I heard him in uh, in shoot interviews talk about how he um, he came in and uh, Vince wanted him to be more subdued. He didn't want him to be like the franchise of ECW. So, well, you can't uh, say cut my fucking music. Well, I mean, but like, just the intensity. You I can't mean, say that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he could have said cut my freaking music. He could have. You know, they don't have the same kind of kind of attention grab. You know, cut but, my freaking music. But, you know, but I, I, I think that the character didn't succeed because Vince had a different idea for the character, and I think if he just would have let him be more the franchise, I, I think he could have gotten it. In late WCW, he came back as the franchise, essentially, and yeah. it wasn't bad. I mean, again, there was a lot going on there, but it wasn't bad. It, it, it's, I almost think the franchise, in some ways, fit a southern territory, even though ECW by no means was a southern, it was an old, but it had an old school feel to it. Very much did so. Yeah, yeah and I mean, he like, you know, had the head cheerleader, had Francine, like, I feel like if you would have had him in old school NWA as the franchise, completely would have worked, but, you know, I, I as Stone Cold said, he, he, him cursing 
was magic. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows how to say the F word, I think, as well. I mean, at least he's a top 10 wrestler to say the F word, I think. Well, I mean, that's, that's a good point. point. And, uh, <laughs> he's one of the few guys who looks like a champion. Yeah, you that's know, Paul Hanagod, like, 100%. 100%. There's some guys who, when they carry a world belt, it looks like he's a world champion. So I'm also a big Shane Douglas fan. He did not make my list. Um, but if I was doing a top 20, he probably would. If I was doing a top five most emotion, most true emotion of a wrestler, he might make that list because his emotion is just, and I love emotion in wrestling. And I think his emotion is so sincere and so real, like you can feel it. Like so Dusty Rose-esque where you can feel his emotions uh, and, coming and, and, through. And, and, and that's, that's a good, good point, man. man. And the times that I've talked to him, just, you know, man, the band, he uh, is very straightforward, uh, real passion for wrestling and um, just a, a straight up highly intelligent guy um, somebody that um, I think as well as he did in the wrestling business I do think that just circumstances and timing and things kind of worked against him to a degree um, but uh, I, I think he could have achieved a whole lot more being put maybe in a different era a different time frame but regardless my number 10 was the franchise Shane Douglas and to over to our the latest member of the Squared Circle Syndicate, Chad Solomon, a.k.a. Chase Solo. Chad, what's your number 10? All right. This is controversial. Oh. I already know. I already know. Uh -oh. Yeah, it is. Uh-oh. My number 10. Now, again, I will say this. I think this man, if we were talking the greatest, quite possibly could be number one or two or three or four. I love a disclaimer. Uh, okay. But as my personal favorites, he's only number 10. Just because, for me, and I have this with a lot of wrestlers, they have eras in which I love that wrestler, and they have post-eras where I'm like, I'm not a big fan of your work anymore, how you handle yourself. But my number 10 favorite of all time is The Rock. Oh, I, okay, okay. I absolutely, even, it sounds cheesy, I liked Rocky My Idea. I was into it. I was young at the time. It's like... When you're little, it's very weird. It's very weird how this works. When you're little, if you see anything at all that resembles you, it's you connect to it. It's inspiring, you know. Absolutely. And yeah, it's just it's just, and I think, and, that, and that's one of the reasons I do respect the women's movement in professional wrestling because one of the things is like, you know, hey, we want little girls to see other women here doing it right. Therefore, that connection. As a child, you don't think like adults do. You just it's very simplistic. Um, Rock my via, I was into it. The Rock in the Nation is to me maybe maybe the greatest performance ever in wrestling. Like him, you know, coming over for Rook is like classic literature of like, you know, like a herd of lions and like yeah, young, strong lions. Yeah, and like the other lions notice it as it's happening and like, nah, we're going with the new lion. And so entertaining. And then uh, Triple H and The Rock's ladder match. Oh, guys, help me. What was it? For the Intercontinental title. It was SummerSlam 98, I think that match was so well and so good, and people didn't forget, like, oh, both guys are massive in the match. People they are, they also are really big guys. That's true. Yeah. yeah, people forget those two huge dudes. Um, again, love The Rock, respect The Rock, uh, enjoy The Rock, enjoy Dwayne Johnson as an actor, sincerely, really enjoys movies. Uh, his post era as the man first run as the man you know i was into it 
second and third round, I think he suffers like all flagship guys suffer from. Like, I'm the best. And, of course, they're feeding people to me. And, of course, I'm on top because it makes the most sense. It's, quote, unquote, best for business. And I get that. And that's cool and everything. So, for me, The Rock's number 10. I'm <clears> sure <throat> there's got to be some... No, 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 no. He's on my list, too, but he's higher. But I do respect what you say. I hear you. I understand. Yeah, I mean, the, the Rock, he didn't make my list, but he is, you know, Dwayne Johnson is definitely a favorite of mine. Um, I, I, I always love watching him uh, in the ring. Um, I always felt like he was a better talker than a wrestler. But as far as him as a man and him as an entertainer, I mean, he's one of my favorite people, period, as far as his entertainment is concerned. I think I'm a bigger fan of Dwayne Johnson than I am of, of the rock persona, to, to, to be honest, if that makes sense. Right. But, uh, but as far as, um, you know, uh, Chad, you were talking about seeing somebody on screen that you could identify with. Um, you know, Chad, you're, you're a handsome young guy. Well, you're handsome the young other, guy. You, the, the you, you remind identify. me a little bit of the rock, the man. Rock, the rock's brown like us. That's kind of what He grew up. See, here's the thing. See, when you are African-American or, or you know, of any kind of minority, in pro wrestling, you don't really see a lot of us really become superstars. Like, you don't really... We had Junkyard Dog, but he was never a champion. And yeah, Coco Beware, he had a bird. That was cool, but yeah, The Rock was the first guy who really... Especially for our era. I mean, you guys can go with, with Ron Simmons before Yeah, that. Ron Simmons did his thing. Ron, Ron Simmons, Simmons definitely that. did his thing. Definitely, definitely, but The Rock for us, especially since I was in high school when The Rock was, like, big... All of us was mimicking him. We walk in the classroom, stop and sniff. <laughs> we all were quoting. We were all, I mean, rock sure that wasn't because you shit your pants? I'm, I'm quite sure. Somebody shit their pants? I mean, that's possible. <laughs> that's possible. You deal with teenage boys, so well, that's you know, true. everybody don't watch their ass. Not not hot, hear there. A lot of hot dog eating, so but, there you go. But, but, but I don't want to go too much into it, but I actually, I, I understand what you're saying when you, you connect with someone you, who looks like you because yeah. wasn't a whole lot of minority guys really making it big. I have to say, and he did not make my list, and he was highly influential in the sense of even as a very small child seeing someone that I felt like I could connect with resemblance was uh, Jamie Snuka, you know? Okay, yeah, and yeah, I'm, sure. I am, I am, I'm multiracial, but I'm not Samoan, I'm not from the, I don't have any sort of island at all, so I have nothing in common with Jamie Snuka, where, you know, obviously The Rock's father is black, but I'm saying, which I have nothing in common with Jamie Snuka, but just seeing a Jamie Snuka as a child, right? it still was some like, it's not a white guy. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and also, also not a giant. And not right. a giant. And not a giant. That's you know? I mean, he was pretty swole, though. He oh, out, out, yeah. He couldn't even walk. True, yeah. that. true, true. <laughs> Brother, he couldn't even walk. Yeah. Right? He kneeled down and takes yeah. half an hour to get down. <laughs> <laughs> Too much muscles, man. Too much muscles. Oh, man. I think he would, it was hard for him to get up because he was still having a... Uh, brain issues after getting whacked with the coconut. Yeah, uh, but but no, I mean, and, and what you fellas are saying ma makes absolute sense. Um, you know, Rock definitely uh, transcended uh, and went to a whole other level uh, in uh, not just popularity in wrestling, but mainstream popularity in general. Um, in uh, very much to a degree, and, and then we'll we'll get down to number nine here, Money Mike is uh, uh, to me right at that point in time in the Attitude Era uh, when Austin was you know on fire. Uh, and was quickly followed by The Rock. The Rock, at that point, was, and if you go back and watch the early exchanges between Rock and Austin, it's almost like Rock was like an urban version of Austin. 
Yeah. Like they were very similar as far as the promo and, and everything they were doing. It was just that Rock was taking it and putting a different spin on it, uh, putting a different slant on it. And then eventually I feel like that version became more popular than what Austin was bringing to the table. I agree. Um, you know, obviously it's transcended huge to mainstream audiences as far as, I mean, the guy's making, you know, freaking buckets of money. He's, the, most, he's the highest paid actor on the planet pretty, Earth. Pretty, pretty, pretty freaking crazy to think about a, a guy uh, wrestling in his underwear now is making, you know, gazillions of dollars making movies. I will say um, this real quick about the both having similar, Stone Cold and The Rock having similar promos. You gotta give props to where they came from. They both went through that Memphis. They both went well, through that's Memphis. that's a good point, man. That's point a good point. They were, and I mean, like, cutting hard promos every week. And, like, today's promos are different, but back then, at the end of the promo was, I'm gonna kick your ass. Because even when the rock comes back, <laughs> even when the rock comes back, he still lays that in. Like, well, like yeah, that, that's that, and I'm gonna kick your ass. That, that, like, that, that's you a know. good point, Flay. What is it? Was it a Flex Cavana? Flex Cavana. That's yeah. what I thought, Flex man. Cavana. That's it, man. Now that that's that, a real wrestling. If, if that's not that. a bargain bin, uh, porno, porno tape name, yeah, name yeah, I don't know what it is, yeah. man. There it is. Flex Cavana uh, story. <laughs> yeah, Shake Solo's pussy palace. <laughs> <laughs> Your number's next. <laughs> wow, wow. That's almost as good as Sexton Hardcastle. Wait a minute. Oh, that's, Edge, wow. yeah. that's right. Yes. Jeez. Wow. Um, <laughs> there was an indie guy, and then I swear we'll move on to your number number nine, Mike. Um, there was an indie guy that used to work in upstate New York called the uh, Executioner. I'm not making this up. Wow. He was a masked wrestler, and he was the uh, uh, he was supposed to be the uh, the tallest guy in the locker room laying down. That was his <laughs> that was his catchphrase. I swear to God, I'm not making this You're up. You making that up? I swear oh, to God, God, I'm not. That man. shit ain't real. Anybody who was watching World of Hurt Wrestling in upstate New York back in the uh, the mid to late nineties, they they know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Um, but uh, anyway, on that delightful note, Money Mike, number nine on the top ten favorite wrestlers all time. Right? Of all the times. Yes. Number nine is the best big man in the history of professional wrestling and Money Mike's humble opinion, and that's The Undertaker. And it's funny because the dead man taker, I wasn't really the hugest fan of, but big evil taker, absolutely love. I love the Big Evil Run. So, Undertaker number nine. Uh, another guy that's mimicked a lot. Uh, got a lot of dead guy char characters. Sting twisted his character around to be more like the Undertaker. Uh, and I do like the dead man character. But for me, I liked him when he was more himself, driving the bike, beating people up. I like that version of him. So, number nine is Undertaker. You know, the... Um the Undertaker is on my list. He's a wee bit higher. Just a wee bit? Just a wee little Just bit. Just a titty bit higher. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, uh, I won't uh, go into too much right now, but uh, yeah, Undertaker, without question, um, one of the greatest of all time and uh, definitely one of my absolute favorites, but I'll talk more about that later on. Chad, any uh, thoughts on the Taker? Oh, definitely. Taker, for me, was one I felt bad because he's not on my list because if we made a top 10 greatest, I'm... Again, I, I think he'd be on my list, I'm pretty sure, but top 10 favorite, I felt bad leaving him off there. Yeah, he only hit my favorite because of the Big Evil run. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not really a gothic guy, so the Deadman character was cool, but the Big Evil, 
beating up Ric Flair, making uh, Maven's life a living hell, <laughs> beating or up Maven. Jeff Hardy. Like, like that was my guy right there. Like I was, I was, I liked that version. I had a very as a child. I saw a lot of wrestling. Went to a lot of wrestling shows. Um, but the wrestling match to this, there's two that really grabbed me, and one of the two was Undertaker versus Mankind buried alive match. Sure. Yeah, definitely. That was, I mean, I don't, I, I can't even describe it. It was just beautiful violence, and like what Taker always had for me was, I didn't always care what his storyline was going on, but his match was can't miss. Right. No matter what it was, his match, like I don't miss Taker's match. Taker and King Kong Bundy was good. Like, everything Taker The in-ring quality of a guy who's 6'10", 320, isn't usually good. But with him, it didn't matter who he wrestled. Uh, classic matches with Shawn Michaels, everybody knows. My favorite Undertaker match is actually the one with Kurt Angle at the No Way Out 2006, I believe. Um, great in-ring performer. Uh, when he could, he could talk on the mic at times. Like I said, that Big Evil character is my favorite version of him because he actually talked. So, that's my number nine, man. All right, but well, you know, again, I, I love the Taker, and I'll talk more about him. I'll uh, wax poetic about the Taker here in a few minutes. But but uh, uh, before I uh, give my number nine, I'm going to give a quick shout-out because, uh, Chad, you just said something that, that triggered this in my mind. So, recently I took uh, some time to listen to uh, a good friend of mine's podcast, uh, Robin Nelson. Took some time to listen to his podcast, uh, Wrestle Popcast. Uh, our third member of the Squared Circle Syndicate, Mr. Chad Solomon, was recently a guest on that show. Uh, great interview uh, where Chad talks uh, about his uh, you know real passion for pro wrestling and what led him into the business. You mentioning about watching the, um, the Buried Alive match made me think about that because I know you bring that up in that interview. Uh, but uh, by the way, that was a good interview, man. I enjoyed listening oh, thank to you. that. You know? uh, but uh, you know, folks, uh, definitely uh, give uh, Robin some love. Uh, good dude. Uh, mega fan of wrestling. Yeah, and, uh, real serious wrestling fan. Yes, you want, you want a real wrestling? That guy loves the biz. He, he does, and he he watches freaking everything, man. I mean, he he uh, he has folks on a wrestle podcast that are just all over the place. He's had uh, Dan Severin. He's had uh, Tim Storm, uh, former NWA World Champion, uh, and he's had Chad Sullivan on. So, so and me, as a matter of fact, I was a guest on that show. I'll be there. Dirty. You go. I'll be dirty. Ain't the fix was with Demo Man bullshit. You get the uh, Robin. You get the uh, you get the Demo Man stamp of approval for sure. But uh, folks, uh, go check out Wrestle Podcast there and uh, give uh, my friend, uh, our friend uh, Robin, uh, some love there. But my uh, my number nine uh, here on uh, my faves of all time. Is uh, another this might be a little surprising for you fellas, a little little different path. My number nine is uh, a guy who very much cut his teeth in pro wrestling uh, in the Cincinnati area, uh, Cincinnati Dayton area. Uh, he uh, traveled a long way to get here uh, to train with the legendary Les Thatcher, uh, with the old HWA, and uh, went on to have a, a pretty historic career uh, in. Uh, one of my favorite promotions of all time, Ring of Honor. Uh, he is a former Ring of Honor world champion. Um, always loved this guy's ring work. Uh, incredibly technically sound. Uh, loved his presence in the ring, uh, and I've loved talking to him. Um, I swear that this isn't just cheap plugs for my other podcast. It definitely sounds but, like it is. But, but, okay. but I swear. To God. <laughs> but there are there are actually not one, no folks, not one, but two separate interviews with uh, the man I'm talking about right now that you can find 
over on the podcast page of DemoBlastStudios.com under the Demo Show Archive tab. Uh, I'm talking about none other than uh, the man who was the master of the Jawbreaker Lariat, uh, Nigel McGinnis. Nigel McGinnis. Nigel McGinnis, the current uh, uh, announcer for uh, NXT. Uh, but uh, Nigel uh, always have enjoyed his ring work. His matches against Brian Danielson are a sight to behold. Um, just uh, it, that that British style of wrestling, I enjoy. Um, that that catches catch can the, uh, the the very subtle transitions. Um, but then the fact that he combined that with some pretty brutal. Uh, Japanese strong style. Very snug. Yes, and uh, snug. and that freaking clothesline, which ended up tearing his biceps, oh, on both arms, which inevitably, as much as, as much, why he's on NXT now. Well, <laughs> and, and, and unfortunately, to a degree, that's true. But uh, part of the reason why I enjoyed watching was also part of the reason why he he ended up not getting a job as an in ring performer with WWE was because of those jawbreaker lariats. But they were so freaking devastating. I remember him wrestling El Generico, a.k.a. Sami Zayn. And Sami back then was actually lighter than he is now, so he weighed less. And But, God, he was like a bag of bones that would just it was keep very, coming back very, to get an asshole. Very, but, very, very but Nigel just laid in those lariats. Just, oh, holy shit. Uh, and then the, uh, the but just brutal, man. And then the, uh, the, the headbutt exchanges with, um, with Brian Danielson are just, I mean, it's indescribable, but but uh, but just a, such an awesome performer, and I think the fact that he's a local guy, even though he's obviously technically a UK, you know, from from the United Kingdom, uh, wrestling wise, he's a local guy. This is where he learned his craft was here. So I think think there's always a connection there because of that. But uh, my number nine, Nigel uh, McGinnis. That's a great pick, man. Like uh, it's a nice curveball. I wouldn't expect that. You know, I, I, try, I tried to uh, be as objective as I could because it would be easy to just riddle the list off with a bunch of big names from the 80s. And I, and I loved a lot of the stars from the 80s. I really did. But when I'm thinking about not just the 80s, but also the 90s and the 2000s and where we are now at 2018, I put everything into context. This is a guy that kept jumping out. Uh, another guy that didn't quite make my top 10 that almost took his spot was Christopher Daniels because that's another guy who's just ring work. I... I, if I was going to be a wrestler, which at one point was going to I was planning on, right. um, Christopher Daniels was a guy that uh, I watched very intensely as far as what he was doing. It was a guy that I studied. Um, but, uh, but I ended up going a slight nod to Nigel. But anyway, Chad, your thoughts? Um, well, I have to say, first off, I totally agree about British wrestling. I think British wrestling in so many ways is, you know, well, all wrestling is great, but I'm a huge fan of British wrestling. You know, Nigel came into TNA. They were in such a good place. They were in such I a know, good place. Were, were. You know, um, he came in hot and like he fit there so well. He fit there so well. And um, but did an injury take him out of TNA, or what was it exactly that happened? Uh, he uh, he was brought in red hot with an angle with Kurt Angle. Yeah, and, yeah, and they, they had, had the purple gear and everything. Remember, he had a great rivalry Wolf or something. Yeah, yes, he was Desmond Wolf. Desmond, he, had, he had a great rivalry and a, and a great uh, series of matches with Kurt. And then I'd have no idea, but they decided they just started they just to go cold on him. him. They went a different direction. He started doing other things. It looked like at one point they were going to put him possibly in the fortune group. 
uh, with Flair and uh, yeah, it was actually, and, he wasn't fortunate. You know, like the it, first time he, he brought him out, he you know, was, and, but he and, got hurt. And, and then that didn't happen. But but what inevitably happened, and there's a documentary that he made uh, called The Last of McGinnis that details this uh, in a, a lot more so than what I'm going to say right now. He ended up contracting hepatitis C. I heard about that. And that led him to end up not wrestling anymore. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the first time that I interviewed him, he was on his retirement tour. So. Uh, it was when he was actually filming that documentary. Wow. So it, it was an interesting time to talk to him and um, super nice dude. You know, when it gets to be um, the holidays, usually on Christmas time or Christmas day, I trend to, to send a message, just a message on Facebook, messenger to folks that I haven't talked to very, in very long or haven't talked to them in a long time. And I just say, hey, you know, happy holidays or Merry Christmas or whatever to you. And, um, and I sent one to Nigel because he's on my Facebook. I haven't talked to him in a long time. It's not like I'm not going to say, oh, we're good buddies. We, we go have crumpets and tea every Sunday. No, we don't. I mean, I haven't talked to him in fucking years. And if, and if you asked him who I was, he probably wouldn't even know the fuck I, you know, you, you were talking about. But when I sent him a message on Christmas today, man, you know, I'm glad to see you doing so well. Merry Christmas to you. I hope you're having a great day. And he responded, and which I was surprised about. You know, and wish me happy holidays as well. I was just blown That's away cool. by that. That's cool. Um, the fact that he took the time, because he didn't have to. You know, he didn't have to do that. I wouldn't have thought any less of him if he didn't. But I just thought that was very cool for a guy. And, and, and it's, you know, I'm happy to see him getting regular work with WWE, even though it's not in the ring, which he'd always dreamed about. Still, just the fact that he's there and able to participate. Yeah. And, uh, man... At, while I'm saying this, Jerry Lawler is on the screen here at the Survivor Series, and he's got on these freaking gold, uh, you know, the gold one strap. I like that thing. gear. I think it's yeah, pretty. I don't know, brother. That that's like some. Uh, it looks like he's got like something Sable would wear on. I'm not quite sure here, but man, that, but even funnier. I tell you, Jerry Lawler is the king of fucking gaudy, man. Yeah, he likes some gaudy ass shit, man. But money, like, what were you gonna say? I'm saying that uh, he's. Next to Hunters, Hamsley, and Isaac Yankum, that came oh, from the same group. <laughs> so that, that gives you an idea of this time frame. And you can see the whole BSK crew is all wearing Taker shirts. Yeah, oh yes, that's, that's right, right, man. How funny is that? Wow. Well, well you, you know what? what? I didn't even I didn't even realize that. Chet. That's, all BSK, that's, 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 that's all BSK. That's all BSK crew on uh, Undertaker's team here at the Survivor. What Survivor Series is this, Chad? Is it? What year? Ninety-four or ninety-three? Actually, man, I'm thinking now it's ninety-five. Cause about two, it's got to be 94 or 95, I would think. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking 95. Okay. New generation. So, so uh, for you folks that have the WWE Network, you can uh, check out Jerry Lawler's uh, God Awful. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's King Mabel, and he won Royal Rumble 95. Okay. I mean, well, not there, Royal Rumble, but King of the Ring 95. I think you're right. Yep, absolutely. So, so, uh, my, uh, so my number... Where are we at? Nine? So my number nine was a Nigel McGinnis. Uh, we're going to turn it over to... Uh, the king, the king of the, the king of swing. <laughs> I'm about to call him the king of swing, but, uh, but yes, the, uh, the 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 master of the uh, the pussy palace. Uh, you know, that, that name is so appropriate for my number nine. Really, too, too bad, Chad Sullivan. Uh, that is so appropriate for my number nine. My number nine definitely is a big fan of the ladies, and we call that a segue, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> number nine. Is Big Pop Pump Scott Steiner? Wait a minute, Scott Steiner! 
if you hear me. I mean, if people sit around and say, like, oh, I wasn't into Scott Steiner, I wasn't, like, come on. No, Scott Steiner was dope, man. Scott Steiner <laughs> pulled you dope. in. He was dope. And, like, also, early Scott Steiner's in-ring work was out of this world. The Frankensteiner, yeah, obviously it had been done before, different versions. But, again, guy that size, doing that move. It looked, it looked, it looked like it was devastating when he did it. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean, just the Side Brothers, if we were, hold different conferences, different podcasts, greatest tag teams of all time, they're up there. No they're question. up there. No and, question. And, and that was just half of his career. Uh, you know, Scott Steiner for me gave me entertainment in the ring. He had the attitude, uh, he had the muscle, and I mean, he had that, oh, he's, the, he, he, yeah, he's a badass. But you also kind of fell in love with the character because. He had all those interviews, you know, where he was doing math, or he was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you got a, you got a 99 and two thirds chance of not winning, and I got a point three five two chance of winning. Smoke <laughs> Joe is fat. He's fat. <laughs> Yo, dude was a straight loose cannon. <laughs> he did not give a fuck. <laughs> Christian got no muscle tone. I don't think I've ever met anyone in wrestling who did not give a fuck more than Scott Steiner. Oh, oh my god. god, man. No, I agree. I I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm so what are your guys' thoughts on the couple points? Man, I'll, I'll tell you what. In the ring, early, early Scott Steiner uh, was, was awesome. awesome. I, I mean, the Frankensteiner. Uh, really, in the same way that Sid introduced the United States audiences to the Power Bomb, uh, definitely Scott Steiner really introduced the United States fans to the Frankensteiner and the Tilted World Slam because that's another one that really wasn't used. Do you remember when Scott, his early uh, WWF, was doing the? Um, it, it was a standing suplex tombstone pile driver, screwdriver. Yeah. That yeah, is, that is I do remember that man. Now that, you, now that you bring that up, so so I mean, he was uh, he was revolutionary, really. At that point, he, he reminds me later on another guy that was very similar in that aspect of introducing the fans to new revolutionary moves was Booker T, who week after week was coming out with something fresh and new and exciting. But but Scott was was uh, incredible. I mean, the Steiners, no doubt, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Um, you know, Scotty obviously has uh, been known over the years. His ring work has kind of been secondary to his insane antics and his promos. Um, personally, from meeting him, he's kind of a dick. But as, but as, but, but as far as uh, his Roy rage, man, well, and I just uh, you know, I, he, he, maybe, maybe if I had a couple beers with the guy, he'd loosen up and maybe he'd be a different guy. I, I just the few times I've met him, I. I you, you know, know, he, he definitely, definitely is on, on my, uh, my, 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 of the guys, guys I've met, he's definitely, definitely on the dickhead list. See, I feel, I feel crazy saying this, but on the top five people I really want to wrestle in this world, he's on there. Well, well you know, to, to, to be legit, man, I know guys in the business that have worked with him, and, um, um, and they've said that, uh, he's actually very good in the ring, very light. Oh, he's excellent. Um, you know, so, so I, uh, I'm sure that you, you have an awesome. He'd probably life. kill me if you heard said he was light now, though, so then. Well, you know, but, but, uh, but, uh, well, that, that's a good point. But, um, but yeah, he's, uh, you know, no, no question about it. I mean, Big Papa Pop obviously heavily influenced later in his career by, uh, superstar Billy Graham. Uh, the tower power, uh, too sweet to be sour. Uh, which, he also, uh, and not to, not to cut you off, but also give another thing you don't think about. It. He played a big role in TNA. 
Well, oh, we sure did. Man. He played a big role in TNA. Well, maybe, maybe not the, the face, but he played a big role. I, I like Steiner. Like, if if I was, I ain't gonna say that. Like, I'll say, I'll say, there was a time where, like, if I thought about getting to wrestling, dyeing my hair blonde and trying to be like the black Steiner, but not so fucking huge, would have probably been a thought process of mine. I I, I enjoy. He's not on my list, but like. The shit he said was just like, what is wrong with this dude? And then like, and, 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 and even in the entering at times, especially WCW, like during that late run, he was such a loose cannon. Like you just had to see this one do. And he looks, again, another guy who looks like a champion. When he came up with the world belt, it looked like it should go around his way. So, like a fucking circus freak, what you talking about? I mean, a circus freak's gonna be a champion. You heard demo Nobody with circus, circus freaks. Though. Well, but, but you know, he did look like he could legit just take somebody and snap him in two. And right. the fact that he had that legit wrestling background oh, was right. just certainly And I put people in the Steiner recliner. You know, they say it hurts. So. <laughs> Oh, now you, you're going to make me tell the story. My friend Timmy Goldston back in, uh, in New York. Timmy! That's right. Yeah, so, so, so the Steiner Recliner, an updated version of uh, the Camel Clutch. So I put my friend in a Camel Clutch when we were kids, Chad. I've never heard a human being scream that loud in my life. He's told the story before. Now, the only time that I could think that it would be on par with the screams is probably the screams that come from that boudoir back there here at the Pussy Palace. But I've, I've never heard a human being scream like that. Up the carpet of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Into the lion's den. My God. He's probably got like safari <laughs> shit in his room. I need to go back and look at it. He's probably got safari <laughs> shit hanging up. And... He's got like an exit shoot back there. Way <laughs> done. <laughs> like, like, oh, they're getting ready to leave out the front door. No, you've been on the shoot. He's got an ejectable bed and shit. He gets him out in the back by the dumpsters. It's a very <laughs> Prince Iakea themed area. <laughs> oh, oh, see that? Man, you fit right in, man. That's all right. Yes, yes, that's good. There you go. All right, so um, for the uh, for the sake of uh, of uh, moving along, the show here we're up to number eight. Money Mike, what you got? Number eight is the franchise of WCW. Made me want to wear face paint when I was a kid. The man known as Sting. <laughs> now, I, I liked like the spiky hair, pink outfit, gaudy ass jacket Sting. <laughs> I did. I did. I did because he was like the warrior, but he can really wrestle. Because I wasn't really a big warrior fan. I think warrior was just loud and obnoxious, but like Sting could actually really wrestle. And Sting versus Flair. Those those first couple matches I love when Sting joined the Horseman I was very excited and they kicked his ass out and I wasn't happy about it but Sting and then he was able to actually and most wrestlers can't do this rejuvenate your career by doing something different that whole year when he was in the Raptors and he didn't talk and he started dressing like the Crow which is one of my favorite movies that was a great time of wrestling I remember, remember being in high school and just loving the business at that time because. You never knew what was going to happen. He dropped from the Raptors. Hogan looked shocked every fucking week. He hit people with bats. The shit was awesome. So Sting is one of the greatest of all time, and he's also one of my favorites. Sting, uh, I actually I had him on my list initially when I revised it. As we talked about before, we all revised our list at what we bit. I actually moved him down to my secondary top 10, which I suppose would be my top 20. But... Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I love Sting too, man. I mean, he's just uh, an exciting, uh, incredibly athletic performer, um, just uber charismatic. Um, I, the only reason why he didn't quite make my top ten uh, was because uh, over the last few years, um, I still love Sting, don't get me wrong, but uh, my thought of him has changed a bit. And it's because it's become more apparent to me that one of the reasons why he had such great matches with certain guys was not necessarily because of him. It was because of the guys he worked with. He's being carried. So, so I really think, and it's the reason why, as much as you know Money Mike, I pitched you a fit and bitched and complained about the WrestleMania match against Hunter because <laughs> I thought it was the shits. When in, I, when case, I, when I go back... I don't remember, Triple H beat Sting at WrestleMania. Which I was I was not very pleased about. I still think Sting should have went over, but, but I think that the match was, aside from all the gaga that happened during the match, the actual match itself was fairly decent. But the reason why it was fairly decent was mainly because Trips is the one that put the match together. So I, I really think that um, that uh, Sting, I, I would never take anything away from his athleticism, his charisma, his overall persona, but as far as, an, as a, just a, a, an in-ring worker or just a favorite, um, just my opinion of him just isn't quite the same because, because, because I, know, I know that it, you know a lot of his success was based upon the fact that a lot of guys carried him to some really awesome matches. Obviously, Flair really being the main one that you know not only made Sting a household name, but really carried in some very classic matches. Um, but yeah, Sting, no question, one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, I love, I, I love Sting. Um, Hogan and Sting, that, that was kind of, I think I was maybe seventh grade when that rivalry was going on, and that Starcade pulled me in so much. Um, I guess I have to agree, but I think about Sting and his match quality was that uh, I could just see it always that Sting didn't grow up a wrestling fan, and I'm very biased in that. You are, you are very, we've, yeah, you, you are very biased in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, you said it like four times we bears. Yeah, like he just didn't, he just, you know, and 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 I and I, and I always feel that way about wrestling. I will always feel that way that you know the football player that couldn't get play football or the boxer that couldn't, well, not really boxers, but you know whatever it may be. I'm always going to lean towards the person that was just like, no, wrestling was my dream, been my dream, sure, whatever it may be. And as much as I didn't enjoy Sting's work, and I think he's one of the cornerstones of WCW, um, he didn't make my list, but, you know, I've never had a Sting storyline I wasn't interested in. I mean, even the, even the corny stuff in the mid-'90s. Right. Um, you know, uh, when, with him and Flair, and Flair was the, uh, what was Flair, the Black Crow? Or the, the, uh, the Black Scorpion. The Black Scorpion. Scorpion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I got in all of it, so I enjoyed it, you know. I love this rivalry with Rick Rude. Yeah, it was that good. That was probably my favorite time in WCW, was the Rick Rude Sting rivalry. So, so, so to go back to his ring work, there you go, right there. So, so his reverie with Rick Rude was awesome, but then why? What shortened Rick Rude's career? That yeah, he would Sting, Sting yeah. fucked up. Or that that body splash yes. off that ramp. Thing. So, yeah. so that's you know, again, Sting incredibly athletic, but uh, as a worker, a little sloppy at times, man. So, and Rick Rude was freaking awesome, man. Yes, he was. Um, you but know, he's obviously a hell of a man because you saw what he meant to TNA. You know, you saw oh, what sure. he meant to. 
all those places because it was like he wanted to retire for years. Right. And he just was like, no, I'll keep you guys up and running. I'll keep you guys going. Keep you guys yeah, going. He was the guy in TNA for a while. So. Yeah. You know, he definitely helped to, to keep them afloat for a very long period of time. Um, but you but you guys are absolutely right. I mean, Sting, Sting no doubt. Uh, and and the comments that I'm making are not an attack on him as a man or anything along those lines. I've met, oh, him, no, of course I've not. met him a few times. He's an incredibly nice, nice gentleman uh, for sure. Um, and uh, with, without a doubt, one of the greatest of all time. Uh, no question about it. Um, moving on to my number eight. Um, switching gears again. Uh, we're going to go back to the bingo hall. South Philadelphia. My number eight is uh, a guy who uh, originally started out wearing uh, furry trunks and face paint. <laughs> and later, thankfully, transitioned out of that to be... Uh, a badass suplex machine. Um, when, if you can, survive, if I let you. That's the dopest. It's, it's, that it's, is the it's dopest a, catchphrase a, it's a ever. It is, man. It is. It was my ringtone on my phone for a long time. The dopest catchphrase ever. Yes, absolutely. So so I am talking about the, uh, the uh, I don't know if he ever, I think Sabu's the only other guy to win the FTW championship. And I'll say the, I'll say the still reigning FTW yes. world champion. Uh, the human suplex machine Taz is my number eight, and Taz, I uh, I just I loved his his whole the whole presentation at ECW. I loved it. Uh, I loved the team Taz. I loved the colors. I loved uh, Bill Alfonso uh, being a part of it, uh, being this annoying little gnat that would fly around him blowing the whistle, um, and then just <laughs> just he he had even though obviously Taz not a very tall guy, but none of the guys were at ECW, so. So he was just a wrecking machine, and he was believable. And uh, obviously, his variations on suplexes are still used by a lot of guys to this very day. They are. Uh, his promos were not pretty, but they weren't supposed to be. Not so they, they they made perfect sense. Uh, you know, doing something as simple as putting that ratty ass uh, thrift store towel on his head, <laughs> cutting those promos. I mean that that was that uh, was awesome. Uh, I still remember all that so fondly, and. You know, one of the um, one of the things that prompted me to want to even do this podcast initially, the Squared Circle Syndicate podcast, was being um, basically um, inspired by Taz's podcast, which is a good, that's uh, a nice which, podcast, which which, like which, I, which I still enjoy uh, listening to to this day. But but uh, my number eight is uh, the Human Suplex Machine Taz. Love Taz. If 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 I had it in top twenty, he'd be in my top twenty. I got you. I got you. Um, another guy like if I was to get into wrestling, that's another. That's something I don't understand how that hasn't been redone. Really, um, Bobby Lashley does it to a certain extent, but just the whole presentation, the whole package, the the seriousness. He made wrestling serious, and because he was serious, you took him seriously. And you really didn't know that he was a really short guy until he got to the E. And then, you know, he's standing there against a cane. Obviously, he's real little. But uh, very believable, uh, very charismatic. Again, looks like a champion. Brought a lot of legitimacy to wrestling with his background in martial arts. Um, really one of the first guys to kind of incorporate that into the, the whole game. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and that's why it worked at that point because there really wasn't a ton of guys that were doing that shtick at that point in time. Whereas now, 
you know, a lot of guys work in the indies all want to make believe that they're MMA fighters. <laughs> right, which right. Is, which is fucking silly. Everybody got a dojo now. But back then, <laughs> Taz, only dojo I well, recognize. That, that's it, man. So, I mean, that, that made him stand, you know, apart from the, uh, from the pack. Um, and then, of course, that, that rivalry with Sabu. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you, if you were yeah. going to rank uh, top rivalries in wrestling, or at least modern-day wrestling, um, the the Tess and Boo one would have to at least be in the conversation. I like this rivalry with Bam Bam Bigelow too. Oh, the, yeah. I mean, no doubt, you're absolutely yeah. right. I mean, yeah. and, and that right there, that was carnage, man. Dis, despite his <laughs> despite his short stature, that particular feud showed that even though he was a smaller guy, he could get in there with somebody as big as Bam Bam Bigelow, who no question was a big motherfucker. Yeah, six five six six. Yes, three, and, and three and, and could yeah. move like a cat. So. So the fact that um, that he could get in there with Bam Bam Bigelow and uh, and get it done and have a uh, a feud and a rivalry and a series of matches that that made sense. Now, why couldn't he have done that in WWE? He could have. It was just their decision well, to not know, go that direction. No, we're not going to do any events bashing, but. You know, typically, if Vince didn't create you, he don't really give you a whole lot of respect, typically. There's only been a very few guys, and I'm sure I'll touch on that later on my list, very few guys that actually got to come in, be themselves, and have success, you know, similar to what they did other places. Like, usually Vince... No, he doesn't. He repackages we, you. We, we might have to save that that for uh, for another uh, podcast because I could uh, I could go on and talk about a few different people that would, would fill that category. But uh, Taz, Chad, well, first of all, I want to say I'm not bashing any of the McMahons. I want a job really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, smart guy. Hey, yeah, hey. just smart guy. But um, no, Taz was amazing. I uh, I'm not the biggest fan of hardcore wrestling, and for me, Taz is what made things like ECW amazing. Like Taz. Team Taz, um, but you know, I, I, Taz worked a lot of great matches against big guys. Taz worked against Mike Awesome a really good match. Yep. Yep. Um, but I, what I love about Taz was that shoot feel of the feud, the feud, like you know the feel of like Sabu and Taz, like and they didn't hate each other, but like it was real. You know they were go, like they were really coming after each other. Um, yeah, I mean Taz was great. And I mean his mic skills for him that era that company I think they were perfect. Yeah, I think exactly. they were perfect for it. You know, very, he, very I remember him going on uh, ECW TV and cutting a promo where he basically challenged champions and other promotions. I mean, out there calling out uh, Hogan, basically saying he was nothing. Right. It's like, you got to beat me? You must be joking. Make you choke. I'll choke your ass choke out. You out. <laughs> and, but, you know, from, a, from a, a, a Red Hook guy cutting a promo like that. Right, it sounded like I mean, it made guy. sense, man. It, it made a dude sense. From Brooklyn, yes, threatening to choke out a dude yes. from Venice Beach. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, it, man. So, so it, it, it made perfect sense, man. But yeah, Taz, uh, Taz to this day is one of my absolute favorites. I'd also say with Taz, and like my opinion of hardcore wrestling, I got a lot of brothers out there who do hardcore wrestling. I respect that. But I also my one of my big things with the wrestling and just you know, thumbtacks and all this other stuff. Sometimes you see things just like. Why would you just fall on a pile of thumbtacks? Why would you just do things where it doesn't make any sense? Whereas with Taz, I would say with anything he had to do with tables or soup us to a table, it always made sense. It made perfect sense, right? It always made sense. He didn't just use a chair for chair's sake. Right. Like, it wasn't like that. It was, yeah. I've seen him throw chairs down and fold his arms. Like, he ain't using weapons. Yeah, yeah. I would say, like, I didn't, I never really saw someone at ECW that mastered just the, 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 the best level of, I use a lot of hardcore in my wrestling because it's ECW. 
but I don't just for the sake of it, you know. Yes. I mean, yes. no disrespect to Balls Mahoney and those guys, but like that's all. You just had, knew man, what the right, match yeah. was from start to end, you know. No, that's that's a great point, man. He uh, he incorporated elements of hardcore that made sense for his persona, rather than just basing the match off from nothing more than than the gimmicks and the tables yeah. and all the bullshit. Uh, with guys like um, you know Balls Mahoney and um, and uh, Ian Rotten, I, oh, the Rotten I, Brothers. Oh, yeah, that's, Ian and Axel that is, Rotten. Hold on, that is the worst match I've ever seen. By the way, the glass fist match between oh, the Rotten. Oh, that was just. I will say, I can honestly say, I hate that. I I don't think that's professional wrestling, in my opinion. That I just is the don't. worst match I've ever seen. Well, and, and 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 you know, I don't want to. Uh, yeah, I, right. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to bash folks out there, especially some of the local folks that uh, that do hardcore wrestling, because I I do understand that there is an artistic side to hardcore and there are people that i've seen like an example would be uh matt tremont who wrestles for czw now i'm, I'm honestly not a fan of czw uh or what they do but i've watched matt tremont wrestle and i've seen him do his hardcore shtick and i've watched it and i've seen the fact that i know from watching him that you know he's a professional he knows exactly what he's doing. You know, I've seen the preparation. I've seen the care he's taken. I've seen what he's done taking care of opponents in the ring. So I have a, a, an amount of respect for guys that can do it and do it well. Now, at, on the same token, overall, as a genre, hardcore slash garbage wrestling, I am not a fan of. And I tell people that all the time. Um, there are a few exceptions to people that I think are good good workers that can do it. Absolutely. But I, but I'm with you on that, Chet. Is that I I don't really consider excessively violent uh, actions in a ring to be wrestling. Um, it's just basically what I would call violent pornography. Yeah. Because that's kind of what it boils down to. And, I, I, and I would say one of the key elements is this, because I don't want to disrespect anyone out there. But the moment that you involve any sort of glass, light tubes, broken glass. I mean, God, people, just think about it. Just, like, really think about it. Like, broken, like, what exactly are you doing in this athletic competition with broken glass? You know, there's, it's just, it, I don't know, man. They're getting a whole thing there. It's, it's just, you know, silly bullshit. And, um, and I understand to a degree why they do it. Um, it it's funny to me because, uh, and I swear we'll get back to the lister, folks. Uh, this is a bit of a bit of a side tangent. Gee, buddy, Mike, we've never been known to go on side tangents no, us, before. Us? No, never, not, not no, at all, never. No tangents. Uh, but uh, but on the slide, uh, slight side tangent. Um, wrestling fans, fans of hardcore, will want to share clips of all that shit on Facebook, for example. And say, oh, how how dare you say this is fake? Look at this. That's real like, blood. But it, look, it looks fucking ridiculous. I'm letting you know out there, fans. And yeah. I and I love all wrestling fans and the fact that you support wrestling. But if you're doing that that what I just described, and you think that people out there that are non-wrestling fans are gonna be like, oh yeah, it is real. No, they're now not like thinking it. that. <laughs> they they think it's fucking stupid. They think they 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 watch that and go, what fucking idiot. Yeah. would allow themselves to be struck in the head with a fucking light tube or smashed in the head with a fucking piece of glass. You dumb fucks. It actually makes wrestling look bad. Money Mike is losing his shit over here, man. It's been a long time since, in the since vein, I've gone on a tangent. The but it's the absolute truth. I mean, you guys think that you're doing uh, a favor um, making things look 
Like, oh, well, look, now you thought wrestling wasn't, wasn't legit. Look at this. Yeah, I am looking at this, asshole. You're making wrestling look like shit. You want to show something good? Show two fucking guys in there having a competitive match that actually they give a shit about how it looks. They actually are a little snug and they make it look real. They give a fuck about how uh, the, the moves come off. They give a shit about the fucking story leading into the match. Show somebody that. Don't fucking show them fucking uh, uh, Joe Trash Can fucking that works at the fucking burger joint down the street who thinks he's a fucking wrestler every other week who goes out there and bleeds for a living so he can tell his fucking five friends, his five fucking uh, mark-ass friends he's a wrestler uh, because he goes out there and bleeds professionally in an unprofessional environment because he's an unprofessional fucking hat. Demo. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. Demo. Take a breath. Breathe. It's okay, man. Gosh. Sorry. Good hot, man. I see that. It's okay. I love I love pro wrestling, man. But You're I like just, sweating now. Yeah, I just I, I, can, I, I just there's there's a part of me as as I said before, I'm not opposed to all hardcore wrestling. If it's with trained professionals who know what they're doing, cool. If, if it makes listen, if it makes you took more than a mouth. Ric Flair has been in some hardcore shit in the '80s, but his matches when they got to that point, it was part of storylines, progressive. Oh, absolutely. It, it added to it. The hate between me and this guy's gotten to a point where now we have to use weapons. Like that's kind of how it should be. Not you know, every Tuesday I'm hitting you in the trash can for no reason. Like, and, so. and I couldn't agree more, Mike. I couldn't agree with you more, but it makes sense because Ric Flair is not a hardcore wrestler. That's where the storyline has gone. Right, right. Whereas, right. like, this is an open exhibition, first match we ever had, for, you know, barbed wire, set your balls on fire. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just like, you know, no rivalry at all. Just like, yeah, let's just go right into this. Let's just, you know. Yeah, it has Goodness to, it has gracious, great balls of fire. <laughs> it's got a build to it. Like, you can't, right. you know, so, yeah. It, yeah. There, there's, there is a place for it, but it should be worked within the storyline. Absolutely. Should, so, that's what we're saying. We're not just bashing you morons who like the fuck each other, Ranger Blades, whatever the hell you But if you, go to a, if you go to a, a seven-match show and all seven matches are hardcore matches, I don't know. I mean, you're that, basically watching a street fight. That, 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 <laughs> no, because a street fight would still have more fucking <laughs> logic and right. story to it yeah. than that bullshit. That's true. Anyway. I can't remember um, what number are we on. We're up. Well, we're on. Uh, we're did you give your number eight yet? Number no, eight. did I do eight no. yet? No, you didn't. Oh, okay. gee, what a tangent we were. What <laughs> yeah. The roller coaster has returned. All right, so we do, man. So number eight, Chad, what you got? Number eight for me, and I think we all have different feelings. I think I know Mike said for him, Sting was WCW. For me, this guy was WCW. I know for a lot of people, this may not make sense, but I think it does make some sense. My number eight is Arn Anderson. Okay, man. I respect that. Yeah, double A A to me is. I think for a lot of us who really love wrestling, did you ever get to the point where like the main event wasn't your favorite match? Oh, oh yeah. A lot of times. My, my favorite title in early WCW was the TV title. Yeah. So they were working. They were putting. They were doing. They were doing it. Yeah. And um, and just double A through all the different. I mean, not just the Horsemen. Um, I mean, his singles career. Obviously, he was always a Horseman. He always carried that you know enforcer line with sure. him. But I mean, with the Brain Busters in WWE, I thought he was great. Definitely. Um, Dangerous Alliance, Larry Sabisco as the Enforcers, he was great. Uh, I mean, just every and just you know those matches, his match from as they say from the start to the end, you can't really find a bad one. There aren't really any bad Arn Anderson matches, and just real emotion promo. I mean, as underrated promo, and 
I know Kevin Nash and all those guys now apologize, and I don't even concern myself with it because I'm not I'm not worried about that a bit. I mean, they don't know who I am, so it doesn't matter. But I'm saying in the sense of, I love his retirement speech. I don't care what happened the next week. I know it wasn't good. Uh, the whole the whole mosh spot thing. Yeah, yeah but yeah. that was like. Like, again, that's a guy who grew up loving wrestling. He said it like, oh, I had a lot of dates, but I didn't go out until wrestling was over on Friday nights. You know, that was a guy who grew up, loved wrestling, gave everything to wrestling. And, I mean, just, you know, I, I use the word a lot, but his matches were beautiful. His matches were truly works of art. Yeah, Arn, Arn was, I, I, and he made, you know, the white trunks that count like a diaper. He still made that work. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey. Any man can pull off a diaper and make it still look like you're intimidated, you are right with me. Oh my god. <laughs> now I love double A, man. I ain't never gonna be able to look at him the same again, uh, he's man. He's wearing a fucking diaper. He's like a diaper. Oh my god. He looks man. like a diaper. Anyway, anyway. He's How the hell can you in the same sentence say I love Arn Anderson even though he's rocking a diaper? Because I'm a fucking realist, <laughs> I'm a realist. I call it how it is. Money might cause it how it is. Man, all right. You wearing a white trunks <laughs> and you got that body shape, it looks like a fucking diaper. But, oh, it, you know, I digress. R. Anderson. I knew it. I digress returns. <laughs> I can't believe it. I'm digressing here, man. man. I, I, let me digress. R. Anderson is one of the greatest of all time. And, and, and I... Uh, 100% agree with everything you said. Solo is right. Okay, uh, our, our, uh, you know, one of those incredibly- It is a diaper though. Just saying. Well, I guess, Just saying. Um, I damn near filled my diaper before I came to pick you up today, <laughs> Money Mike. Sorry, Chad, we was running a little behind today uh, because just as I was getting ready to leave, I, uh, uh, I had to I had to take a Vince Russo. Well, and, uh, and, uh, and he and felt it, the need to text this to me and tell me <laughs> that that's why he's running away. And, 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 and it delayed me, so you know I it, I almost made for a better drive. I'm sure I must fill my double A diaper. <laughs> uh, but uh, Aaron Anderson, uh, without question, um, one of the most underrated talents maybe ever in wrestling. Um, just a, a consistent hand in the ring, uh, spine buster. I mean, hell, if you've seen that footage recently from uh, when they did the um, the Starcade uh, live yeah, event, seen that. Uh, not too long ago when he uh, did the spinebuster on, um, was it Dolph? Dolph Ziggler hit the spinebuster on? I, I didn't even know about it. I don't remember. Yeah, who they, he did, they did the uh, they did the uh, Starcade event. Uh, basically, WWE. I'm going to go on a slight tangent. I promise it won't be very long. Uh, I'm on a slight tangent. Uh, there's a convention they hold every year in the Carolinas called WrestleCade. Awesome event. Uh, a lot of guys participate in it. Things been drawing so many people that WWE decided to come in and do a live event that same weekend as WrestleCade and decided to call it Starcade to tap into I the, mean, uh, the they, NWA WWE fan base. shitting on a whole bunch of stuff with that, but that's okay. Go yes, ahead. exactly. Take your, take your so, so anyway, so during that Starcade event, uh, I believe it was Dolph Ziggler facing, I want to say Bobby Roode, and uh, and Arn Anderson because it was a you know homage to the NWA slash WCW. He was uh, like the corner man for Bobby Roode. He ended up giving a spinebuster to Dolph Ziggler, and it was and, beautiful. And he still Wait, had yeah. had some snap and some impact to the to the spinebuster. So so the spinebuster. I mean, just nobody does it better. And aside from Jake Roberts, if I was going to say what's another guy that delivered the DDT with real yeah, impact and force, absolutely, I mean, yeah. he definitely would be be right behind Jake as far as a great DDT. But, man, Arn was good on the stick. Um, technically, the guy who named the Four Horsemen, 
uh, and just uh, overall, uh, just a great hand. Didn't have, you know, a bodybuilder's physique, but he looked real. Yeah. Like he looked like a guy who could really, you know, fight you, you in a bar. Yeah, he yeah, looked exactly. like, 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 like a trucker. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so, 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 had a, a in, certain... a, in a white diaper. <laughs> in a white diaper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'll, I'll give, I can't I'll, believe this. I want to give Arn one last credit. I think, and I don't know, and I'm not trying to think this out. Arn Anderson might be the greatest WCW star to never hold the heavyweight title. That's, I don't know. I mean, you're right. There's probably that, a lot of guys. That's that's a good, that's a good point, man. I mean, it, in the you know thinking about all the guys there, he might be like the the one. I know in WWE slash F, I can think of a few guys. Right, that right, 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 right. But, but in WCW, WCW but, NWA, you but, might be right. Yeah, that it, that very well could be the case. And uh, really, I think the only thing that ever really held him back. Um, just he, he didn't want to supersede Flair. He didn't no, want to. No, I mean, he, he very much knew what his role was. I mean, he truly was the enforcer. Yeah. And uh, and he worked well with Flair, whether it be, you know, when they had their few opportunities to wrestle each other, which were damn good matches, or, you know, normally them teaming and, and aren't always uh, making sure that he helped protect uh, Rick. Um, but he knew what his role was uh, in the context of the stories and the context of the show. I think that's why he was so good because he wasn't trying to one up everybody. True. Like true. it wasn't like he wasn't trying to go out there and have great matches, you know, like um Bobby Eaton. I mean, guys who follow wrestling yeah. will tell you how fucking good Bobby Eaton was. Bobby right. Eaton knew his place on the card. It wasn't like he wasn't trying to go out there and put on fantastic performances because he did, but he also knew that, you know, he wasn't going to be Everybody can't be the world champion. No, and not right. everybody can be world champion. It's not to say you shouldn't still aspire for that, but at the same time, you know, whereas, again, and I swear, folks, I'm not knocking indie wrestling because I love indie wrestling. Chad participates in indie wrestling. I work with indie wrestling promotions all the time. I love indie wrestling. But I can say that one thing that's sometimes a little iffy about indie wrestling nowadays is that everybody on the card tries to go out there sometimes and one-up each other, and uh, and it's like... you. Everybody has a certain place on the card. As a wise man once said, know your role. <laughs> uh, but since this is a podcast, don't shut your mouth because we need you to talk about it. Um, but uh, um, you need to know your place on the card. And, and as far as uh, building to, to the crescendo, the, uh, the, the end of the, the night, making sure that when people leave the building that they're completely satisfied and want to come back for more rather than it just being a always uh, you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be the big star tonight i don't give a shit about my opponent i don't give a shit about the main event i don't give a shit about the promoter i'm just going to go out there and do whatever i need to do uh and just you know get my shit in um our know, knew how to how to get over but he also knew his place on the car which makes him not only a professional but also uh, makes him one of the, the one of the greatest of all time. He didn't make my list, but uh, there's no doubt. I mean, I definitely love Arn's works. That's a hell of a pick, man, for sure. Um, moving this chaos train along. Always uh, is, man. Always is. My gosh. Uh, number seven. Number seven on top ten. All these times. Okay. <laughs> what all you right. got? All right, my number seven pick. I alluded to him with my eighth pick, but it's simply ravishing. Now, I say simply ravishing because it's Rick Rude, but it's the WCW version of Rick Rude. Was not a fan of Rick Rude in the WF. 
I was excited when he had a title shot against the Warrior, but he didn't get it, you know, but that's here nor there. Rick Rude and WCW, I loved that character. Like, that, at that time, in the early 90s, WCW was my show. My dad is more of an NWA guy than he was a WF guy anyway, so I grew up Horseman and, and, and Crockett Promotions and all that, but Rick Rude, I love Dangerous Alliance. I love the Rude Awakening finish move, even though now it looks kind of, eh. I still loved it back then. Uh, that was my guy, man, and I, I hated to see him get injured. I you know, cussed thing out for a minute. I was excited when I saw him in ECW for a second, yeah. and he ain't wrestled there, and then he was Shawn Michaels' insurance policy with the original DX, which is still my favorite version of DX. Actually, is that original DX? Agreed. Yeah. But yeah. Rick Rude is is my number seven. Rude. Um... Oh, you fat, sweat, and I ain't gonna do it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> now, Rick Rick Rude was a was a phenomenal talent. Um, I mean, I, I understand what you mean by like his WCW run a little more because he was he was being pushed as a more serious right uh, performer, uh, where he still did some of his you know same shtick that he did in WWF, but now with the haircut. Uh, he didn't have that Jerry Curl mullet anymore. Still rocking the time selling, though. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. Well, yeah, they got to, man. Flavor saver, brother. Wait, <laughs> wait, not judge. I mean, what, what flavor are you actually saving, Dave? Hey, man. Hey, man. Yeah. No, we need not talk about that. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, okay. You no. Know, ask, right. ask, ask the ladies. That, that, we digress. Ask, ask the ladies that took the numbers <laughs> here at the Pussy Palace. Yeah, we should ask Shay, you know. I don't know about the fourth one, brother. You done wore his off. <laughs> Damn. What the fuck? Fucking business is picked I up. I thought he had a goatee when I met him. <laughs> <laughs> he had a damn duck dynasty beard when I met him. What the hell are you talking about? That shit did rubbed off. Holy shit, man. Wow. We digress. I don't know if that's a good thing or if you don't spend a night with Tammy Six. What the hell happened? <laughs> hey. That sense snatch will get you every time, oh, man. Oh, man. Rip your face off, man. Rip your damn face off, man. Shit. But, um, yeah, Rick Rude was um, a phenomenal talent, man. He um, great, great physique, uh, natural heel. Um, I did like some of his WWF stuff. I thought the matches he had with Warrior were some of Warrior's best matches. They were Warrior's best matches. You know, <laughs> uh, the matches with him, and I'd say Warrior's matches with Macho, I mean, they were pretty damn good, too. But but arguably, the ones he had with Rick might, might have been the, the best matches he ever had. But uh, Rick Rue, just a uh, uh, legitimately tough guy, uh, had an, an aura of legitimacy to him. Um, that he looks like that's not a guy you want to get to fight with. Yeah. Yes, yes. And uh, But I, I was happy to see him get more of a serious run in WCW and being pushed. Yeah, he's in, world in the, champion the world. a few times. Yes, I was very excited to see that. Absolutely. With and, the uh, big gold belt, which is my favorite belt too, by yeah. the way. I just throw it out there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, man, he um, he tore it up, man. The, the Rude Awakening uh, neckbreaker was a real nice finish. Um, I love the uh, the airbrush tights. Oh, yeah. Uh, I always thought that. I always and, thought and that. Velveteen Dream's doing that now, which I, I think is, know, is brilliant. It's, it's nice, man. There's a lot of things that that kid does to, to – Pay homage to uh, to Rick Rude, which which I thoroughly enjoy, man. But uh, I will always remember Rick Rude, uh, the the rivalry with Jake Roberts. If you don't yeah. take, you don't take yeah. them tights off, I'm gonna take them off you. 
<laughs> then he did it! <laughs> I mean, if you're going to say you're going to do it, I mean, you got to do it. Man, but what a heel to put another man's wife's face yeah. on, your on the crotch of your tights. Yeah. That's brilliant. Man, that's... That's brilliant. That's what that, I call... That's microwave. That's insta-heat. Insta-heat! Microwave. That's insta-heat. You wow. can't help but to hate that guy. Wow. Chad? Yeah, oh, no, I'm a big Rude fan. I, did, I actually did enjoy Rude more in WCW, but I was always a fan of him. Um, it's just that, that, that opening to a match is being different. And obviously people have recreated it now, but there was nothing like when Rude came to the ring... Music stopped, still had the robe on, and you know he went through his spiel every time, and it worked. And it, it, it always, it always had the heat. It always had the girls jumping. It always had, it, you know. And I, yeah, I, I thought him and uh, Steamboat's matches in WCW yes, was really, good point, really man. good. Yes, you know, I agree. I agree. WCW was willing to put a heel in that position, and I don't know if, if the federation back then would have put a heel. Because, I mean, like, Ted DiBiase was a monster there, and they wouldn't give him that role. Yeah, and he, and he, he I, Rude was never at Ted DiBiase's level in, I think, Vince's eyes. Right. Um, and, you know, but I, I thought Rude was a top guy. But, yeah, I think being IC champ when he was IC champ, that was a big accomplishment. I mean, it, it really it, it was. Really, it really meant something back then, I agree. But, but there's a certain time where you just feel like certain guys should move on from that. You know, like, like for instance, The Miz. I feel like the Miz should be going after the Universal title. The point of him being Intercontinental Champion is dumb at this point. He's had it a thousand times. There's no point. He needs to move forward. At some point, a guy has to progress. So there was a time frame where you seen Rude, and he had to progress. And Vince, once he puts you in the box, he keeps you there for whatever reason. But uh, Rick Rude was a great, great wrestler, I think. Well, absolutely. And uh, once again, I'm going to go on a slight side tangent. Since you brought up that whole thing, I think that the if there is some long-term booking plans, which for once I hope there is for WWE, which we talked about before we went on the air today about how a lot of times it seems like there there's inconsistencies and right. no continuity. And, I know what you're about not, to say. It looks not, like groundwork is made it, for what it, I just it, said. It, lo- it looks like what they're building towards, especially with Miz getting wins over Roman Reigns, is that Miz being Intercontinental Champion more than likely, whether people like it or not, Roman Reigns is probably going to win the world strap at, um, or the universal title, excuse me, at Mania. That's such a stupid so, Is that a so dumb name to you? I think it's a dumb name. The universal, universal title? title? I think it's so um, funny sounding. I think all things that he thinks are smart. The only time that I can think of the word universal being used in good context is with the, uni- is with the Universal Wrestling Federation, which was a promotion I loved back in the 80s, or when you're talking about the Universal Heartthrob Austin Idol, which I love his work. But when it comes to the Universal title, I think that the Universal title is uh, universal shits. But anyway, I think Roman is going to... Those are the opinions expressed by the devil man David right, Stark, right. Not, 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 not by no. Chad Solomon, right, aka right. Chase Solo, right, right. who loves all WWE all products. WWE. He has posters of Triple H and Stephanie McMahon in his home. <laughs> he was just saying that you know, Stephanie McMahon is the greatest diva of all time about 20 minutes ago. So greatest, yes. woman, greatest woman, not diva, remember? Diva's gone. Now. Right, right, yes. diva's gone, right. Yeah. Greatest, mm-hmm. the greatest, yeah. She single handedly laid the groundwork for the women's revolution. 
As right. a matter of fact, why, why the, why the, uh, the drop shoot was installed here at the Pussy Palace was because once he's had his way with these many attractive young ladies, because they do not live up to the standard of Stephanie McMahon, he says, okay, you non-Stephanie McMahon-looking thing, down the shoot you go. Exactly, like exactly. Everything off she, she does not, right, they do not, they're not the par with Stephanie. Yes, now in, when you're out at, in the evening time, Having a few adult beverages at your local whiskey hole, some of these ladies may somewhat look like Stephanie McMahon. Yeah, but once he's brought them back here, exactly. Once he's brought them back here, they've taken their number, they've waited patiently. He sobered up. He 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 has them come in. They you know wrestle, <laughs> quote unquote wrestle. Ding ding. Then then the light comes on in the morning. Uh, then he realizes, wait, this is not Stephanie McMahon. What Whoa, is this? This is Baker Switch. Very weird. <laughs> down, down, down the shoot you go. Yeah. And there you are. So anyway, uh, we digress. Br- br- bringing it back. Um, <laughs> to bring up, the so, so the universal title, what I, what I was getting at here to, to, to come on back uh, to home base is um, I think that they are building towards a more long-term program with the Miz and Roman Reigns, where Miz will be kind of the main antagonist for Roman, where Roman will be the, the Universal Champion, Miz will be the Intercontinental Champion. They're probably going to build towards a match, I would think, at SummerSlam, a main event matchup. I don't know if the Miz is going to win, since he's already won a, a couple already, but at the very least, Miz will be wrestling for the main title on that show. I agree, but this is the E, so he could be wrestling you know, Finn Balor for the next year and a half. Who knows? Like can bring back Hornswoggle and he can wrestle him. Or or that. No, you know, there's no telling. But but if they if, if they're trying to be, you know, old You know, school. I just I just had a thought. I tell you what a, a great thought for the Miz would be. That indie star that I've been hearing about, uh, Chase Solo. Man, oh wow! Hey, hey, that kid, that kid, that kid's top notch. They need hey. to fucking sign. It'd be it'd be, it'd be, it'd be a Cleveland versus Cincinnati thing, you know. Look at that! He's already got it built. Hey, hey. he's already built up the rivalry. Hey, the Browns suck. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Drew Gary. <laughs> but um, how do we get on the topic of the Miz? Who are we talking Where's about? Where's more Rick Rude? Rick! How the hell we get from Rick Rude to the yeah. Miz? Hey, anyway, so yes, so yes, uh, Rick Rude, uh, phenomenal talent. Um, that was your number seven, number correct, seven. Mike? Yes, sir. Am I up to bat? You, is it you? You, you the guy. All right, let's see here. Ooh, number seven. Number seven, uh, one of my number seven is a guy, unfortunately, who uh, is no longer with us, uh, but uh, one of my all-time absolute favorite performers to watch, uh, oozing charisma. Um, Fantastic high flyer, technical skills, um, but it's really his connection with the fans and his ability to hold the fans' emotions in the palm of his hand that really make him just one of my absolute favorites of all time. Um, he is a, a guy who made the term, I lie, I cheat, I steal, uh, extremely popular throughout the world. Uh, a man who delivered one hell of a frog splash uh, and definitely uh, won over the hearts and imaginations of wrestling fans uh, all over the world, and of course, I'm talking about Latino Heat, Eddie Guerrero. Um, Eddie just, um, even though not the biggest, uh, the biggest dog in the fight, physically, um, just through sheer will, 
and charisma and personality and skill. He was able to hang with the elite in pro wrestling. Uh, great storyteller. Um, he would take elements from a lot of different cats, including uh, another one of my favorites who I may be talking about a little later on, uh, Roddy Piper, uh, and incorporated them into his normal uh, routine uh, to make him one of the most well-rounded performers of all time. Um, I truly miss seeing Eddie perform. Uh, he was just, uh, just so awesome. Um, just such a, there's certain guys, it's sad to see anybody from the business leave us prematurely, but, um, you know, Eddie was one of those guys that, that left way too soon and um, got so many great matches he could have had with so many more people. I mean, I would have loved to have seen Eddie and Shawn Michaels have a nice run together. That would have been fucking magic. Yeah. Man, if they had, a, if they had a real angle and a series of matches together, I just think that would have been absolute gold. But um, my number seven, uh, Eddie Guerrero. Oh man, if you're just thinking about some of the fantasy booking with Eddie Guerrero, like Eddie Guerrero and some like, because he's the kind of guy he still be going. He was right. still be going. Man. Absolutely. Could you imagine Eddie Guerrero and Seth Rollins? Right. Could you imagine like I mean we we all think of I mean just all these matches that he would have had today that just would have been uh, through the roof. Yeah, yeah. I, I, one thing I always think about him is the WWE made him great because I and I know he was good. He was US champ. I. Thought found him boring in WCW. I did. I thought he was generic. Really? Oh, I know. I know. And a lot of people and like and he was Mr. On Fire in WCW. They, they know he well, didn't well, love him. There's but. two versions of Eddie Guerrero in WCW. You got the the U.S. Champion with the whole body suit mm-hmm. thing, and that was very generic. Then you got the Eddie Guerrero where him and Raymond still had the match of the year '97, the Halloween Havoc, which is a lot like the Eddie Guerrero that came to the WWE. Uh, he had the swagger. Yeah. He had the Cisco kid theme song. Yep. Was oh, I remember, man. Mon- yeah, so so you started seeing that version of Eddie toward the end of his WCW run. But the beginning, you're right. He had the the, the big red coat. The, yeah. That was very yeah, He was just rah-rah, double right. fist in the air. Uh, but, I mean, I was, I'll say this about him. Not a lot of guys have this, that he has this credit. When he was undisputed champ, he was truly, in my opinion, the very best wrestler out there when he was the undisputed champ and I know it's kind of controversial but I'm sure a lot of people will say well what about Benoit I would even say that well if you see all around I would say yeah, Guerrero because, yeah because all, yeah on the mic all around yeah, yeah Guerrero I think was the when he was the undisputed champ he was the undisputed best here's my thing about Eddie Guerrero and it's something like you know Eddie Guerrero Chris Benoit those are two guys that their skill transcend their size and what I'm going to add is they're undersized guys but when they get in the ring of bigger guys because they're so good you don't really notice that they're smaller guys uh, like like Finn Balor right now Finn Balor gets in the ring with a bigger guy he looks like a small guy his moveset is a small guy moveset nothing Finn Balor does looks realistic or that it actually hurt anybody bigger than Seth Rollins but like a Ben Y He'll chop you. Then he'll shake his hand like he hurt himself. Like the little stuff like that. Eddie throw a forearm and shake his arm off like he hurt himself. Those things like that really look like they're putting a hurt on somebody. And it just speaks to a guy like Eddie Guerrero who's in ring ability transcended his size. When he got in the ring and you got in the middle of the match, 
you didn't really pay attention that he was smaller. You just noticed it was a great match. And that's something a lot of small guys don't do now. Well, and, and, and that's a great point, man. That's, you know, that's a testament to uh, just how, you know, again, even though smaller in stature, just ability-wise, charisma-wise, uh, performance-wise, he was so, he was so larger than life. He really was. I mean, and that's the definition of great, memorable wrestling characters. Yeah. Is it's not always necessarily physically guys that are bigger. It's guys with the personas, the larger-than-life personas, um, the larger-than-life charisma and character. And, man, Eddie just absolutely personified. Him, him and China's storyline was great. Yeah, I knew that. That, that, was, was, that, that storyline. Yeah, that was great. It's crazy they both did. That's wild. Oh man, it's 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 a sad situation, but uh, but it definitely uh. And Eddie never, you never felt like he was an underdog, really. Only time he was an underdog was against Brock because they made it. They yeah, that's true. true. But that's but true. any other guy he wrestled, you never felt like he was an underdog, and, and like right. that's something that a lot of smaller wrestlers don't they don't tap into nowadays. Well, that, that, that's a great point, man. But, but my number seven is uh is Eddie Guerrero. Uh, Chad, what you got for number seven? Well, me and Dave actually went and saw this guy in concert a couple weeks back. Saw his band Proxen. And uh really good concert. Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy, man. I uh I have been a Jeff Hardy fan for a long, long time. There's something really cool about seeing a wrestler from start. Like when you really you first see him when they first I remember him and uh Matt on um Superstars, just as jobbers, just the Hardy Boys. Yeah. Checkered pants, like kind of like bell bottoms almost. Uh, I think they're the guys that opened the door for uh, Mabel. Uh, was it Mabel uh, or somebody else? I think it was Austin. I think Austin. Was, I think it was uh, the King of the Ring. King of the Ring. Yeah, the they are the guys. They're the, they're the two guys holding the doors open. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Yeah. And I mean, and yeah, I, I I just yeah, the guys were I just I love energy. I love emotion. And um, Jeff Hardy just Jeff Hardy has something that I think that only the truly the greatest of all time have. I think his greatest match ever, he lost. That's interesting. You know, and that's a skill that, I mean, you have to be such an artist to do that. Him and Undertaker, ladder match, Raw. Hey, I, shout out to Big Evil. Yeah, that match was everything. And it was, it was like, just everything. Every, if you haven't seen it, YouTube it. Uh, absolutely amazing. You know, even though he loses, he gets Undertaker's respect. And it's just so well done. Um, him as WWE Champion, I thought him and CM Punk's rivalry was amazing. Yeah, it was a great rivalry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just for a modern day high flyer, but can still get in the ring and scrap. I don't know. I just I love Jeff Hardy's work. I agree, man. I, I'm I, he's not on my list, um, but there's some guys that has an it factor. Like like when yeah. you saw him and Jeff, him him and Matt come out. I don't want to say they like Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, but it kind of is like you 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 look at Jeff as the guy more so than Matt because something about him stood out. He has an unspoken charisma, so I agree. And then you can plug him pretty much anywhere, whether he's in hardcore matches, whether he's the world champion. The guy fits, so I agree. I like him a lot. Yeah, Jeff Hardy just is, um, and is, he found the fountain of youth. Like the dude's like forty, and he still does all this crazy acrobatic stuff he does. So you know. Uh, Chad mentioned a few moments ago that we just saw him uh, a few weeks back. Uh, we got one of, um, since he's on the in injured list, uh, his uh, band, Peroxide Gen, 
has been going out and doing not a lot of shows, just a few very select shows here and there. And we got to go to uh, one of those very few shows uh, at the Madison Theater uh, in Covington, Kentucky. And um, he looks great. Um, I know, Chad, I think I mentioned this to you, that I saw or met Jeff Hardy a few years back when he was still with TNA. And it was, even though he was very nice, it was pretty obvious that he was... He was high. He was not all there. But the, but the, Jeff, but the Jeff Hardy that we saw... He was a floating. <laughs> <laughs> it was, something was going on there, man. And he definitely wasn't... He was there, but he wasn't there. Uh, but the Jeff Hardy we saw uh, a few weeks ago uh, was completely there. There's no doubt about it. He looked good. He looked fit. Um, but uh, just his charisma is just undeniable. Uh, and he doesn't even really say that much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just it's just something it's about him. Spoken charisma, yeah. He yeah. does, man. He just has it. And, and, uh, he and almost that, reminds me of a Japanese wrestler in some ways. It, to, to a certain degree that, that he seems to be more beloved uh, with saying very, very few words. And, and sometimes that's the case with a lot of performers in Japan as well, that they don't really have to cut long promos uh, to get over massively with the audience. But, uh, but yeah, Jeff, um, you know, no question about it. Uh, one of the most charismatic uh, and exciting performers uh, that there is, period. Um, but uh, that match in particular with Taker, I mean, such a career-defining match as far as putting him on the map as a singles performer. Um, I know that his run with TNA has had mixed reviews, but I was fan. I was I for one actually really enjoyed his run there as a heel champion. I thought that the promos he cut were definitely the best promos he's cut yeah. in his entire career. So. So I, uh, I actually thought that he uh, that did him a service to, to go there, but uh, uh, he's not on my list. But uh, you know, obviously, if I thought enough to go see the band play, yeah, <laughs> I, I do, I do, I do definitely enjoy Jeff Hardy, no question about it. Uh, and not a bad concert, buddy, Mike. Not bad. Okay. okay. Uh, I'll give him the same thing for the I give Scott Steiner. You rank those top ten tag teams of all time. Hardy's for a lot of folks, you know, or. Really high up oh, there. Oh, for, for sure. They're 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 in there, or they're at least in the conversation. I would yeah, say that they, they probably would, you know. And you know, since I'm an old fart, I think about you know all the tag teams like the Hart Foundation and the Bulldogs and all that. But even with saying that, they probably would still be in that mix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely. I agree. You know, Hardy's um, as much as they were compared to like the Rockers or others tag teams, I still think they have their own. just won the tag titles, what, a year ago? Yeah, well, that's, that's <laughs> true, man. Yeah, that's true. Year ago. So yeah. just longevity, and then, you know, they have their uh, their own defining style, yeah. uh, separate from other teams. Um, but, yeah, no doubt, Jeff, uh, definitely an iconic character. Um, we are now up to number six. Number six. Top ten favorite Wrestler slash performers of all time. Money Mike? Of all the times. All right. My number six is absolutely perfect. Wait a minute. Mr. Perfect. I don't know how many poor kids I perfect plexed. <laughs> and I know I didn't do it right. And I'm sure I hurt people, so I apologize. But I was a chew gum. I was a gum chewing. John Lane. Towel. Yeah, John, yeah, shout out to John guy. Lane. 
towel waving, perfect plexing child. Mr. Perfect was my dude as a kid. That that guy, I was so mad that he never really got a chance to go at Hogan, even though he was cutting promos against Hogan. Him throwing the football, catching himself, the perfect ten dives, the the the, the multiple three point shots in a row. Even though all that shit was edited <laughs> as a kid, I edited. I, I, I absolutely. What the way? Absolutely. One I, take and it was done. Maybe he was perfect. Especially the one where he threw the football, ran down the field, and caught it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was that was know. that yeah. obviously was one yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, he had some hella speed. Exactly. Because the ball was there forever in slow motion, Perfect. mind you. So he threw the ball in slow motion and then ran the car. That's pretty impressive. That's exactly. But those vignettes, those vignettes were, 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 were groundbreaking. And it made me, like I said, suplex, poor kid, sorry, John, uh, all the time. So, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. I was a huge Mr. Perfect fan. First match I ever saw as a kid was Kerry uh, Von Eric, Mr. Tornado, versus Mr. Perfect. Uh, that's the match that got me into wrestling. And that's still my favorite theme song. Like, I love that theme song. <laughs> love that theme song. Well, it, it, it fitted him to a T. Yeah. And um, another creation by the great Jim Johnston, who no longer works for WWE, which is very sad. But, but, uh, but uh, Kurt Henning, uh, oh, man. I mean, one of the, the – alluding to it a little while ago, talking about guys who were in WWF and should have been WWF world champion and never, never were – I mean, he definitely, he may be, you know, he and Ted DiBiase are pretty neck and neck for the two main guys who should have been world champion and never were there. But, um, man, just, he didn't he didn't quite make my top 10. He made my, he did make my top 20 uh, for sure uh, of uh, favorites of all time. I mean, uh, silky smooth in the ring, um, natural born heel again. Uh, his matches with Bret Hart, uh, are awesome. Um, and he, uh, the fact that Hogan thought enough of him to have matches together, I think that says a lot for Kurt Henning because Kurt was not the typical Hulk Hogan opponent. No, he's not a monster. No, no he wasn't. No. I mean, Hulk and he could make Hulk Hogan bad because he could just kind of basically he, outwork he him. Could, he could, Absolutely, he very yeah. easily could have. And, and that says a lot the fact that Hulk trusted him that much because. He very easily could have made Hulk look like a fool. Um, the reason why typically Hulk liked to work with them giant guys is, you know, it was that made him look like he was fast and nimble and yeah. cat-like, even though you know he ain't. <laughs> but uh, but you know, Kurt Hank could wrestle circles around his ass. But yet, he felt that he could have a good series of matches with him, and they did. They had, did have great matches. And, 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 Kurt, and Kurt could sell his ass off too. I think that's well, what Hulk Hogan too. You know, and, and unfortunately, some of those crazy ass bumps, which later Shawn Michaels would mimic, and, and Billy Gunn. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Billy Gunn would try to do it too. But some of those silly ass bumps, those crazy bumps that Kurt took, are led to him having back issues, and, and led to it shortening a bit of his career. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Kurt Henning, definitely uh, one of the all-time greats in pro wrestling, period. Uh, but, man, just uh, he and Bobby Heenan, just a great combination. Bob, yeah, they, those two together. I mean, it matter. There's different reigns, and, like, you're going to say, yeah, there's Honky Tonk Man. There's a lot of people who have held their Intercontinental title. But Mr. Perfect and their Intercontinental title, it just it's so – It just – yeah, it just went so perfectly it together. Did. It just, like – and other can be other reigns, and I, I think Jericho's held it the most times. But you know, it just—it's my favorite title reign. Yeah, I think the title title's perfect. He—he just—he made it. It was like 
it reminded me in so many ways of what the UFC middleweight title was. Is, I'm sorry, is. Because it wasn't like it was a secondary title with WWF. It was that, like, this is just a different title. It's just right. a different title. It's kind of the athletic title. I mean, it was just, I don't know, it was, he was a perfect intercontinental champion. Pardon the pun, obviously. But. Well, and, and, you know, he, you know, when you think about, you're absolutely right. When you think about best intercontinental champions or greatest intercontinental champions of all time, excluding the honky talk man, of course. Uh, <laughs> Kirk, Kirk may be it. He may be it because he really, you're absolutely right, Chad. He absolutely defined that belt. I mean, he really showed that, okay, this is the intercontinental belt. The world titles for the bigger guys or the, or the, the showbiz guys. The Intercontinental Bell is the working man's belt. This is the belt that's for the real, the best wrestlers. I mean, that's the and reason why Cody Rose brought brought that specific title back. It's true. So the one, they, the one you see now. Yes, no, no that, so. that that's absolutely true, man. But yeah, Kurt Henning was awesome. Um, my number six is uh, it's funny you had Kurt Henning because uh, I just mentioned him actually a few moments ago. My number six was a wrestler at one point in his career, but is primarily known as a manager slash broadcast journalist. <laughs> so my number six is the man who led the Heenan family against Hulkamania and every baby face in 1980s WWF. Of course, I'm talking about the late, great Bobby Heenan. Um, this spot, number six, I had this occupied by a few different people. And then just out of the blue, Bobby Heenan came into my mind and I went, oh, man, Bobby Heenan. Man, when I think back to wrestling and I think back to moments that really stick out in my mind, uh, so many of them in one way, shape, or form or another feature Bobby Heenan. Oh yeah. I mean, he was so instrumental in being a part of some of the biggest angles and rivalries in wrestling history. Um, without question, um, we did a greatest managers show at one point, uh, Money Mike, and Bobby Heenan was my number one. Um, and there's a reason for that, uh, because in my mind, even though a lot of people do like Paul Heyman, to me. <laughs> There is no comparison. Bobby Heenan was the greatest pro wrestling manager of all time. He uh, helped to make guys relevant. He made guys who otherwise were not main event guys, main event guys, just simply by him leading them out to the ring. Very true. Um, he was able to flip one of the biggest baby faces in wrestling history, Andre the Giant, and make him the most hated heel in the company simply because of Andre standing next to Bobby Heenan. Well, Bobby did all talking. I mean, all I mean, did, you, all Andre did was rip the chain off. Well, and that's it, man. I mean, all that was just Bobby's influence. I mean, think about that. I mean, literally, that's all he had to do was stand next to him and say a few lines and boom, instant heel. That's power. That's extreme power. And then Bobby always did his best at being a fucking bump machine until he got hurt later in life. Yeah. But, um, you know, he would sell his ass off uh, when he went out there. A lot of times I think he worked just as hard, if not harder, than the guys in the ring. Um, but, uh, but my number six, um, 
not just the greatest manager of all time, but one of the absolute greatest all-around performers of all time, Bobby Marini. That's a great curveball pick. That, that, is, that is a great pick. Uh, you're right. If, if you watch 80s wrestling, damn near every memory is going to have Bobby Heenan involved. Even like, I liked the Nick Bockwinkle and Bobby Heenan. Oh, Heenan no doubt. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so. and that's, that was such an interesting dynamic because Nick Bockwinkle already was a pretty good talker. They can both talk. You kind of feel like there's two smart dudes in the room making fun of everybody. And, and it's true. You and feel and, you and, and, uh, and the, the interesting thing is that I know from uh, watching shoot interviews with Bobby Heenan where he talked about initially. Nick did not want him as his manager because he felt like he would take away the spotlight or Nick felt like he could talk and he didn't need somebody to talk for him. And Bobby was like, I'm not here to take the spotlight away from you. I'm here to enhance you. I'm here to elevate you. And that's exactly what he did. Exactly. You know, and, and, and people don't understand that, especially uh, when it comes to wrestling, is that a good wrestling manager will get themselves noticed. They'll get their shit in one way or another, but they also will make sure that they elevate the people that they manage. Which is because why, that, because I don't know why Vince is so against managers these days because a lot of guys could use them. Oh, they, they absolutely could use uh, solid managers. Uh, you know, over the last several years, I feel like a lot of guys who were incredibly athletically gifted in WWE over the last 10 to 15 years could have been megastars if they would have been paired simply with a manager. Absolutely. Uh, but because they weren't good talkers, they were kicked to the curb, <laughs> And uh, but physically, athletically, everything was there. They just needed a manager. And think about how many guys from the past we wouldn't even remember or talk about if they hadn't paired them with a great wrestling manager. Right. So, but uh, yeah, I I, I agree. I think Bobby Heenan is the greatest manager of all time, like just without question. Um, for me, I mean, my, my name is Jim Cornette, actually, not not a Paul Heyman guy. But uh, with Bobby, I think like he's the greatest color commentator of all time. Like, if you really think about, like, in the pro wrestling scene, like, yeah, Lawler is good, but who's who's quicker? Who, has, who can come up with just more things? Yeah, he is hilarious. Yeah, I mean, like, you know. <laughs> you know, like, to me, Bobby was better because, number one, I think he was quicker. He was sharper. And um, even though I'm sure Bobby, if it, it was the right situation, could probably be just as crass, I feel like he just was a little more... His humor like the, was, the whole thing with the puppies, that shit got old after yeah, a while, man. Yeah. The whole, the whole, like, and I understand it was a different era in WWF and the Attitude Era, but but that shit was just looking back at it now and listening to that, it, it just makes me cringe, like how distasteful it all is. And even though Bobby, you know, was great with the zingers and the one-liners and the put-downs, I never felt like he was like disrespectful like that or you know as yeah. crass as that. I felt like he could get it done. But could get it done on a on a more professional level. Makes sense. That yeah, makes sense. absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, you, you, you even said it. Like, think of some guys had their biggest runs, Barbarian and Haku. Like, when they were managed by him, it just took them to a whole yes. different level. You know, um, I mean, they literally take any random heel. You you in Bobby's group now, and those guys become stars. That's, yeah, that's, that, that and that's and that to me that really shows how good he was and what kind of power he held. And I mean. There were a few people that were instrumental in getting Hulkamania over in WWF, especially early on. And there's no question that, that Bobby Heenan oh, was one of, one of the pivotal ones. In the same way that Bobby helped to get Hogan over in the AWA before they even ever got there. So, right. Right. Uh, and Hulk knew that. 
that's why everywhere he went, he brought Bobby with him. So, uh, but yeah, Bobby it, was it, awesome. It's one of the few long-standing rivalries in wrestling history. Heenan versus Hogan. It's not talked about. But even in WCW. Yep. Hogan went NWO. I told you he was like that. Mm-hmm. I've been telling you humanoids for years that he was a scumbag. Like he, he still held it, on and to that. I know, and it was perfect, man. It was perfect that he that he kept the rivalry going. That even though Bobby normally would root for the heels when it came to Hogan, he would nope. he would yeah. change gears yeah. and be like, "No, I I've always told you he was a scumbag." Yeah. And now you're finally seeing it. Yeah. So so that that was awesome. But uh, uh, yeah, Bobby Bobby was a, a fantastic talent. It's great but, uh, demo. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. So number six. Chad, what you got? My number six is Chris Jericho. Oh, there you go. I Jericho. Mean, you, you think about certain wrestlers that have entertained you just so consistently and so in different forms. Um, I mean, my Chris Jericho love goes, I mean, I'm uh, a big fan of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I love old Southern wrestling. And I even like him and Lance Storm when they're the, uh, what are they, the... Um, is that the Heat Seekers? The heat. Or the Thrill Seekers? The Thrill Seekers, yeah. It is hilariously awesome. Like, it is great. The rat tail on the mullet. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. And, and just like, his work's impeccable. Obviously, what we just saw in Japan with him and you know Kenny Omega was just unbelievable. It's just the heat. I mean, it's just... I feel that what Jericho does in the middle of the square circle, obviously, is great. But you just don't get that feeling in rivalries like he had with HBK. No. Nah, like he, he had with, you know, uh, just, I mean, I, I, I can't think of it offhand right now, but just. He had a great rivalry with uh, Ray Mysterio. Oh, yeah. WWE. Um, he said, I mean, the, the one with HBK, when you think about modern day rivalries, um, oh my God, that was so good. It was. I mean, I, I still think about that from time to time and think about how great that rivalry was. Man, he, and how, punch, he even punched his wife. Like, yeah, was, I know. I was there live for yeah, that, man. I, I saw that. It, it happened in Indianapolis, and it was like, wow, what the hell? Over um, the but uh, Poor whisper. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> she took it like a trooper, man. I'm sure t- she t- does t- take t- it game. like a trooper. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a freaking minute. I'm, I mean, you gotta you tie that heartbreak kid, yeah, man. You well, gotta take it like a truth. Don't be surprised if you get a super kick out of nowhere. Just saying. Um, but uh, yeah, man, Jer- uh, Jericho just uh, even oh, the look. way he um, like busted out of the of the cruiserweight scene in WCW. Yes. Yeah. Whether he whether he had to use humor or whatever he had to do, and I think it all really goes back to like you can't do what he's done unless you really love the business because mm-hmm. you couldn't be that creative. You couldn't understand all these different facets. He brings back so many old school elements of wrestling that he rather just laughs at the rest of the people, just like, well, I, I, it's, it's all in here, like you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm from, I'm from Calgary, like, um, and just obviously that, 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 where, that where he's people forget this, like, that dude's from the dungeon, like right. people really forget right. Chris Jericho was trained in the dungeon, like, I don't know, I just, I mean, and today, if you told me you think Chris Jericho's the number one wrestler in the world today, I think that was a very valid argument. Couldn't argue with that. Yeah, Jericho, I mean, one of the things that uh, has been a trademark of his over the years is reinvention. Oh, I was so, going to say that. So the, the fact that he's been able to constantly reinvent himself, like he's he very much is the wrestling equivalent of David Bowie and being able to uh, continuously reinvent himself and make himself just as relevant, if not more so than he was in his previous incarnation. But um, the modern-day version of Chris Jericho... 
Christian didn't make my list. He made my uh, he made my secondary list. Made my top twenty. Also. Um, but uh, uh, just if you if we were to talk about like wrestling right now, and we were to rank guys today in twenty eighteen, um, he would definitely be in that top ten. There's no no question about it. He'd probably be in the top five. He probably would. Um, just because of the fact that. Um, I mean, you're absolutely right, Chad. He he brings a lot of. Obviously, he loves wrestling. He always has. He's shown pictures of going to car shows, getting the photos with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Um, he's talked about how he and a friend of his used to recreate the WrestleMania three yep. Steamboat yeah, uh, Savage yeah. match in their in their high school gym. So so he is a huge wrestling fan. But but he um, just and he's such a great entertainer as well. Uh, he just brings all these elements of showbiz and the music industry and pro wrestling and old school pro wrestling. Absolutely. And he and he combines them. The whole thing with he and Omega was just a lot of that was just elements of just basic old school wrestling. If you really dissect that, it was that, definitely that 80s. Rivalry, right? it had a very was, big 80s feel to you it. Know, yeah. and, and, and it wasn't anything like new. But it was taking something old, dusting it off, and bringing it into the modern era. And the thing is, is that even when he did that, he still put a modern spin on it. And what I mean by that is that um, as much as they pushed that rivalry to the mass audiences, on his own podcast, he pulls back the curtain. Right. And talks freely about everything. I mean, he's had Kenny Omega on, and they freely have talked about the match on his podcast so he's like and to me that's groundbreaking I, I know to some wrestling fans they didn't like it thought it was too much thought they shouldn't have came out and talked as about it as a Jericho it. fan I thought it was too much as you a know, Jericho fan as, as somebody that I, I guess I can say I as a member as a, as a, as a pro wrestler as a, as a member of the business I think like when you're somebody like Chris Jericho you have a lot of power and in that situation and again I have no grounds at all to speak to anyone at his level whatsoever but I do think that was the one part of the, of the rivalry that I didn't like. That's the one part I was just like, ah. Oh, you know, the, uh, I, and, and I can see there being a valid point made uh, for that argument. I, uh, I personally think it's, it's interesting uh, because the fans are so rabid for what goes on behind the scenes and what, what goes into making a match or what goes into the personal <coughs> lives of the guys and gals that perform that it's like he's giving everybody what they want. He's giving the hardcore wrestling fans what they want with a great rivalry and a great match, and he's giving the uh, the, the fans that are the the internet smarkies and the, and the whole nine, he's giving them what they want by, you know, talking openly about things. Um, it, it's it's a fine line, and it's almost like going back to, once again, before we, we started recording say, today. The conversation we had before we started recording, yeah, so, it goes so, into so the whole it, It's talking about the whole, uh, before we, we started recording today, folks, uh, uh, Muddy Mike and, and Chad were having a heated debate. It wasn't that heated. It was heated. It wasn't that I had to put heated. on the referee shirt and break it up. That's because you always wear a referee shirt under your regular shirt. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's nice. It, fits. it keeps me warm in these cold winter months. But uh, they were talking about the... Um, uh, the differences between uh, a great story leading into a match or the importance of uh, having a great performance. And uh, I think with the, um, the Jericho Omega situation is they, they put on a great performance and then much like you would put on a, a play or 
would make a movie or would go have a concert after the fact, after the performance, they wanted to talk about it after the fact. And I think that's the way that Jericho treated it. It's just interesting. I, I just think it's interesting to see um, a different way of presenting uh, the product. Um, but, you know, if there was a plan for this to be a long-term feud... They ruined I, it. I, yeah, well, yeah, yes, they yeah, ruined they it. If, they, if that was the plan. They if, that, if it was a one-off, which I know Same Jericho has moved on to, to... Inevitably, he'll work Nido, but uh, uh, based upon what they did at New Year's Dash. But um, but if the, the thing with Omega is done, then, you know. You know, what I, what I like about Jericho is if you look at all the different incarnations of Chris Jericho, they could all really be separate gimmicks. Yeah. But they're all the same guy. You got the whole with the Ralphus and the hair up, you know, the rule book he had in WCW. Then you had the whole Y2J, you know, uh, flashy jacket joint. And then like, like every three or four years he changed his look. He had, when he went here, he had the real long beard for a minute. Like he, he changes his look. And they can all be separate gimmicks, but they're all the same guy. I think that's very that just shows how great how entertaining he is. No question about it. So, Chad, your number six was Chris Jericho. Jericho. So so folks, we are now officially uh at the halfway point of the top ten of our favorite wrestlers slash performers in pro wrestling of all time. Or as Money Mike would say, of all times. Of all the times. Uh at this point, we're going to uh, end this particular episode. We are going to pick up where we left off and give you our top fives uh, on the next episode of the show. Uh, we definitely want to thank each and every person out there for taking the time to listen to um, the Squared Circle Syndicate podcast. Uh, bottom line, folks, we, uh, we do this because we love pro wrestling. Um, and we love to have a good time. Uh, you know, I know we talk about a lot of zany, wacky shit, and I certainly hope for the folks out there that are listening that, uh, that it's a fun, raucous ride uh, where we have fun. We talk about some crazy shit, uh, including uh, Chad's Pussy Palace. Uh, and <laughs> T-shirts available soon uh, at, a, at an indie show near you. Um, mention the Squared Circle Syndicate for a, a five-cent discount. Because uh, I got I got 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 to make you some money. Yeah. I got to get you some merch money. Uh, but uh, we certainly appreciate you taking the time to tune in. Um, each and every episode of the Squared Circle Syndicate podcast is presented by DemoBlastStudios.com. Um, original pro wrestling themed artwork, uh, combat sports and music photography, uh, social media video production, uh, dynamic graphic design, uh, apparel podcasting, and a whole lot more. Demoblaststudios.com, an explosion of imagination. Um, folks, for uh, for myself, the Demo Man, David Stockwell, along with... Money Mike Wallace. And the new third man... Shea Solo Chaz Solomon. There it is. Folks, thank you so much for listening. We will catch you on the next episode of... Squirt Circle Syndicate Podcast, pro wrestling talk for the real enthusiast. Y'all be easy. The Squirt Circle Syndicate Podcast is an original production of co-creators, co-creators David Stockwell and Michael Wallace. All rights reserved, reserved.